that Jesus is my hero. He can be all our hero if we see what he's done and accomplished. The good thing is, the cool thing is, he's, he doesn't just want to be on a pedestal and, and be honored in that way. He wants to reproduce himself in us. That's like the coolest, most intimate thought of Christianity. It's not just about... It's Him in us. He, he's humbled Himself. We talked about this earlier in the week. God has humbled Himself, the Psalms say, to consider the heavens and the earth. Think about that. I mean, He just wants to make all things one in Christ. And the, the Bible teaches that in Ephesians chapter 1, that one we meditated on that time. So Consuela has a CD and we played a CD yesterday and I laughed, I, I laughed. I said, what do we do? Start something here. And she said, yeah, it's going to be awesome. So, and it'll just give us an opportunity. She said it's worship. Well, I, she won't tell me what it is. So I'm just going to, and I'm okay with it. I, I'm going to play it. And uh, so if it's not God, I'll just turn it off right away. But uh, <laughs> what, we'll do, what we'll do is we'll just, uh, just man, just open your heart, turn your, turn your heart to him. Uh, what I want to encourage you in, in the whole time this school's going on and, and uh, certainly after the school is just really get, just really get, get uh, familiar with drawing close to God and communing with Him every day from your heart, just talking to Him. Don't be in a hurry. You know, if you wake up a little earlier than you have to get out of bed, maybe that doesn't happen to anybody. <laughs> happens, happens to me all the time. I wake up and I'm like, oh my goodness, sometimes it's 4.30 in the morning. I don't even know what's up. I'm like... <laughs> But I enjoy that actually because then I can just I can just open my heart, commune. I might even drift back off to sleep. You know what I mean? But what I'm saying is, even in you get in the car and you're on your way here, just uh, just all those times are opportunities to get to know Him more, exchange your heart, express your heart, thank Him for His love and for how awesome He is. Because the the last thing, honestly, that we want to do is just acquire a bunch of knowledge. Your knowledge, knowledge without revelation, without knowing Him, knowledge after a while will start to have a reverse or adverse effect because your conscience will start messing you up and saying, well, you know all this, but it's not your experience. Or, yeah, well, you have peace with God, but where's your peace? And da-da-da. And it, it just it can get crazy. Knowledge can, can be a detriment without knowing Him. You just start living out of your knowledge, and your knowledge will become your identity. Your knowledge can take the place of relationship. And the whole purpose of the knowledge is to introduce relationship. Does that make sense? Yes. So that's your part and my part where our lives are personally concerned. The level I enter into knowing Him, to communing with Him. You don't get to know one another without spending time together. It's just simple. Keep it that simple and let it be that real. Because I know we say, well, yeah, but God's invisible. It doesn't seem like He's there sometimes. That's why we live by faith. But the more you get to know Him, He's there. And you'll know He's there. And, and it's just neat. And I like that. I shared that a couple times in this school. I like the whole thing about faith because it protects me from just living sensual. What you see is what you get or living by feelings. That's what's messed us up our whole lives. Just living by the way it seems. The way that seems. Right? So I'm going to play this. And we're going to enter in. Does anybody want to share anything about just since the school started? Just uh, something in their life that's different? Something they've just knowing God more? Just a prayer time? Their intimate time? Anything like that that would encourage somebody? Anybody want to share? Or is this a quiet morning? Everybody just waiting for me to preach. I've just said, look, uh, we've been talking a lot about the crucifixion in the past couple of days. And uh, like I hear you, like, I don't know, you were talk, talking about like the Matthew video. I don't, I don't know. Oh yeah, I mentioned it a bunch. He probably. But, uh, I watched like the Passion of Christ yesterday after class, 
And uh, dude, I was a mess. Yeah. 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 I was like, I had to like, I was like, I was like a mess, man. I kids, I don't want my kids to like see me all, you know. Because so it's speaking to you, it's not just yeah. a story. It was awesome. And I honestly felt like yesterday that like, uh, you know, it's easy to talk about this whole, you know, Christian thing and be like, but it's like, walking out is totally different. You know, the story than talking it out. And like, Man, like, I don't know, like, definitely this week in my heart is just kind of like, like, that big, big time of change, you know? Like, it was pretty cool. You and my wife, like, kind of noticed, like, and she was, it was cool. So. Well, it's awesome, but see, the, see, when those truths start opening up in your heart, and then you watch the passion, you, you, did you ever see the passion before? Yeah, but uh, I wasn't. But you didn't have that experience. That's this is what I'm getting at. I was actually hoping you watched it before. So watch what happens to the heart. So he watches this before, but his heart doesn't have the same access to his heart. The, the truth doesn't have the same access. But now with understanding and all you're getting, get understanding. Now he's watching it in a whole new light. And all of a sudden his heart is just... And he's a mess. And I like that. <laughs> Isn't that sweet? What a good testimony. So God's softening our hearts, filling our heart with understanding, and then the truth just, man, it's just a big deal. I, I get, I'm so like, I can't watch, I can't watch anything having to do with the crucifixion, anything raised from the dead, any little play, anything, movie, acting out, him raising from the dead, or being crucified, I'm, I'm, I'm done. I just can't even watch it without crying. It's just because it means so much now in my life. There's a, there's a play I have from, I forget his name, and he's on the Matthew videos, he's on the book of Acts, he plays uh, Luke in the book of Acts. There's a play that he did, it was caught live, they captured it live, I forget his name, but he's, he plays the Apostle John on the island of Patmos in a drama, and he acts it out on stage. I never saw anything, what is it? That's it. Did you ever see that video the, the, where he acts out the Apostle John? I can't even watch that thing. There's parts in there five minutes before they come. Just because I know we're getting close, I'm crying. I'm, I mean, I'll sit and just start bawling because I know it's coming. And it just affects me so much. But I've never seen anybody act anything out like that in my life. If you can get a hold of that. Uh, what's it actually called? Uh, no, it's, it's, poss- it's, it's, it's something about John. It says John on there. Apostle. Okay, but it's Dean Jones, and he acts this thing out. I've never seen anything like it. If you like, if you like that kind of drama, people doing skits or acting, he's the only one on the stage. He talks like all different people. He 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 portrays the crucifixion. He's it's you have to see it. There's no way to describe it. I've never seen any. When it was over, the place he did it. When it was over, they were standing to their feet. Clapping for, I never saw an ovation like that. They were clapping for so long, they wouldn't stop clapping. They just stood there, and he just kept coming out and, and waving. And then he finally came out and just started worshiping Jesus. And then I was bawling. He came out, and he was like, and I'm like, it was, I was a mess. And then when you find something like that, every once in a while, just to do that to yourself, you just pop it in. And you just sit there and just wreck yourself. So I pop that in every once in a while, just to make myself cry. It's just good. The Matthew videos, you can find them on the internet and probably order them. The, the, actually, the, uh, I, I got a set of the, because uh, the VHS are so uh, obsolete anymore. I got them for like five bucks, man. 
It was like, no, this was just somebody found a special and she got like two sets for $10. And I said, get me a set. I'll just, yeah. So, yeah. Matthew, visual Bible. Visual Bible. Oh, okay. You can get them on DVD. There's the, what's neat about them is there's nothing ad lib. There's no. It's 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 all it's all straight. The word you could open your Bible and follow it. They don't say anything extra or anything less. So when you watch it, in a sense, you're just it's like reading your the whole Bible, but they're putting the scenes to it. But the Gospel of John was neat because they interviewed the fellow and he had prayed and prayed and asked. I don't know if anybody ever saw the interview with him. He had asked Holy Spirit, if he's going to play the person of Jesus, he asked Holy Spirit to anoint him and consume him so that there's just life to this thing and it's not just a portrayal. And he said, man, you're the one that walked Jesus through the earth. I want you to like let it be relived. Let people's hearts capture the truth of the way it was. And I really think a lot of that happened on that video because it really messes you up. Hey, Jesus is, the person of Jesus is so loving on there. And at times he's, he's, just, he's just... Just very corrective, but never apart from love. Just the way this man acted. But there was times that he said that scenes went by that he couldn't even relate, re- recollect. Like the scene was a blur because he was overtaken. And the crucifixion scene, he said he literally felt like he was going to die. He really thought he was going to die. He felt like in his physical body he was going to die. So it was just neat. Uh, there's one, the book of Acts, visual Bible. And there's one, there's one out there called the Gospel of John. And the person of Jesus is a totally dip, different representation than the Matthew video. Uh, the Matthew videos are awesome. The Gospel of John's awesome. The Gospel's awesome. So, <laughs> so let's, let's play this and let's just, uh, let's just open our heart to him. I don't know what we're playing. It's going to be good because she said it is, Consuela. And let's just love Jesus, receive. Take this personal. This is good. That you hear me when I call. We love you, Jesus. Thank you. Is it true that you are thinking of me? <laughs> How you love me. <laughs> it's amazing. Who am I that you are mindful of me? That you hear me when I call. Yeah. Is it true that you are thinking of me? How you love me? It's a 
<laughs> Amen. Thank you. Now I know why you couldn't tell me. <laughs> wow. Whoa. Man. You know, you get a song that bears witness to your heart like that and you play it alone. You know, it's more than just singing. You can respond to that song. Remember we did the meditating in the Word? How you meditate in the Word and what it's saying. You, you begin to engage your heart. That's the way your Christian life is to be. Like when you're driving, you know, sometimes I think we just get caught just listening to songs because they're cool. But when, when you enter into the song, and you start acknowledging and understanding. That's, that is like my favorite song. It really is. Thank you, Consuela. Because He's God Almighty. He's the Lord of glory. And He calls me friend. That stuff means so much to me. And then when you're hearing a song like that and you're alone, you can just open your heart. Where's the limit to that? All of a sudden you're praying. You're, you could be shouting. Probably should have just got up and modeled that again. Like, because that, that, that's my song. I probably should play it again and just model what communion looks like through worship. But it's just really there. The door's wide open. Like, I am yours. You love me with all that you are. You gave your life for me. You have made me a friend. You've unveiled the mystery. <sighs> and everything that the gospel has spoken to you becomes your reality in that place of worship. I always said this, you know, I think sometimes we think we worship God for God, but He doesn't really need encouraged. He loves us. Like, I think worship, I honestly believe this, that, that worship is... Is benefits us more than it ever does God. It's more for us. <laughs> I know we say it's all for Him, and but but God is so amazing because He is as secure as you're ever going to be. <laughs> okay, He so knows who He is, so He doesn't need you to remind Him. He's. It's not like you know we're going to sing to Him to refresh His heart. What it does is it keeps us refreshed in the truth of who He is. We worship Him in spirit and truth. And, and I understand we can please the Father's heart, and I understand He can just sigh and go, Oh, I love you, kids. You know, oh, you're awesome. Because you give your heart to Him, and it just it connects that oneness, that love. So I understand that there's a blessing there to the heart of God. So don't hear it wrong. It's not like God's just sitting there like, you know, well, fine, you know, I'm not appreciating your heart towards Him. It's, I'm not saying that. But we don't worship Him like to, to make Him feel better. We, we worship begins where the nature of God is known and the person of God is known. So as you declare that, it becomes your bigger reality because God already knows who he is. Like Moses said, who should I say sent me? I am. <laughs> you are? Yeah, I am that I am. <laughs> always was, always will be. I am. <laughs> It's just God knows who He is, okay? And he's, you know, uh, he's, he's God. Isaiah has a lot of stuff in there. There's a lot of prophet, uh, a lot of about being a rock and, 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 and no one like Him. And Man. So when you're worshiping and you get a song that starts speaking to your heart and the gospel's coming alive in you, man, express your heart during worship. You could see yourself driving in your car somewhere in the morning and you got a song playing that really touches your heart and you're just responding to it from your heart. And it's not always with words, it's just with understanding. But sometimes out of your mouth you make confession unto salvation. With your heart you believe, your mouth you make confession. So entering in is a big deal. Like, it would be real easy with a song like that to get, get shouty when nobody's looking. 
Just it's just you and Jesus, and you just get personal, and you're in love, right, John? And, and you just, you gave me everything. You hung on that cross, Jesus, so that I could live. I stand here alive because of you, and the song's playing. I am a friend. I stand here alive because and all of a sudden it's just you and him. You get it? It is so much more than a good song that's true. <laughs> it becomes yours. You want everything to become yours, right? Yeah. That's what he wants. It's the Father's good pleasure. Makes him feel good to give you who he is. Isn't that cool? I always like to think that um, this awesome God that talked with Adam and Eve, and he talked with Moses and Abraham and King David, and he talks to me. (laughs) (laughs) That's... That's the stuff you camp on to let it get so personal to where it hits home because it's hit home. <laughs> I got the best seat in the house. You ought to see her when she shares these things. <laughs> your, eyes, your eyes sparkle. It's like, oh my goodness. <laughs> but think about that. Now look how intimate she's allowing that to be in her heart. This God. That, so you're thinking about that. You're dwelling on this God that talked to me, this God that I read, He talks to me, watch. He wants to. He's not like, what do you want? <laughs> it's not like you're just knocking every day on His door. What do you want? <laughs> no, He wants to talk to you. Isn't that cool? Of Him, we're in Christ Jesus. He pursued us through the cross, right? He came. Pursued us through the wooing of Holy Spirit. Don't let that stuff slip past. Don't be in a hurry. Catch the heart of the gospel. Can I ask who did the song? Hmm? Who did the song? Oh, I don't know who who that was. Who's who's that? On there, there's there's a lot of people singing. I'm a friend of God, huh? I think it's Philip Dean. Was it? Those guys are awesome. They are awesome. I have some stuff from them. I actually I never sang in a church before, but I sang to a Phillips. Craig and Dean's song to a, a soundtrack when I was pastoring years ago, and I just did it. I don't even know why I got up there and sang, and it actually turned out good. It was like, it was really good. Everybody's like, oh my goodness, they thought I did it like a whole bunch, but it was obviously the Spirit of God, because I'm not a great singer, but uh, the song meant so much to me, and it was one of their earlier things about righteousness, and I sang it one time in a church service. And I thought, oh my goodness, here we go. The soundtrack came on and I thought, no turning back now. Oh. <laughs> I just opened my mouth and he sang. It was funny. We better move forward. <laughs> oh, I'm in love, John. I'm in love with a man. Okay, remember where we were yesterday? We're just looking at Jesus. What's love look like? We were looking at... John chapter 1, the reason we were there in the beginning. Let's go there again, John chapter 1, and let's finish something up there that I want you to see. Actually, John and I had a good conversation yesterday. Uh, Not the Apostle John, our John. (laughs) But, uh, put people to sleep, man. They're going to chill. They're going to get in their soaking mode. (laughs) He gave light 
As many as received him, verse 12 of John 1, to them he gave the right, the right, the right. That's amazing. To them he gave the right. That word can also be in authority. To them he gave the, does anybody else have another word in there? The power, authority, yeah. Behold, I give you power. That word is authority over all the power. What's the Greek word for authority? Anybody know offhand? The dunamis is, is the power. He, he, what he says in, the, in, the, uh, John, in the Luke 10, he says, Behold, I give you authority over all the power. Some Bibles say, I give you power over all the power. The word power there isn't strength, it's authority. Authority is a big deal in the kingdom. But he gives us the authority. Isn't that amazing? The power to become, or the right to become the children of God. I love all those words. All of them work for me. Because they show God's heart and God's desire that we be one. Do you understand? You have to be very careful that this just doesn't become a doctrine to you and that you just have sound theology or sound doctrine. Because it'll never hit your heart. It's, it's when you exchange with Him the thought of sonship. When you exchange through songs like we just played, sonship, and you get personal and intimate with God to know Him is eternal life. Don't ever forget that. That's our pursuit, to know Him more. Then this will never just be a doctrine. So many people have, they live by their doctrine. And it actually can make you debating and people, you get around folks and they're, they're real quick to just throw their doctrine out. I, I don't just want good doctrine. I mean, I want good doctrine, but I want peace of heart, peace of mind. I want sound sleep. I want to wake up with joy. I want to know Him. You, you, I think that's why we're all here, right? We all want to know Him. We don't just want sound doctrine in the sense of we just don't want our ducks in a row where doctrine's concerned. I want it to be my reality. So how else is it going to be your reality? And this is what we're going to talk, because the answer's simple, and we're going to talk about it in the sense of becoming love. Because we're looking at love, we're seeing what love is. Love is Jesus' life lived. Jesus is the expression of love. His life is the expression of love. He's the expressed, Hebrews 1, the expressed image of the Father in His person. That's what Hebrews says Jesus is. The expressed image of His person, the Father. Man. Colossians says He's the visible image. Colossians 1.15 says He's the visible image of the invisible God. I'm sorry, what is the first scripture? Christ is the express image of Hebrews 1. It says this. It says, in, in days past, God spoke to the fathers through the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken through his son, who is the expressed image of his person and the outraying of his brightness and his glory. Oh, my goodness. So when you see Jesus, you're seeing God revealed. And he's the living epistle of love. He's walking and living the heart of God. He went around doing good, right? Healing all, oppressed of the enemy. Yeah. What an image in the Greek, of course, you probably know is I-C-O-N. That's where we get our word icon. Right. That means it an exact likeness. Exactly. What we see when we see him is God. Right. And you can hear that. And that's why I like that they, in, the, in the translation they put the word expressed in the front. The express image. Because, you know, when you hear that word, it's like in full. It's in full. It's every detail without a doubt. You know what I mean? The expressed image of the Father. Isn't that cool? I mean, even when he talks to Philip in John 14, he says, Have you been with me so long that you don't know me, 
Philip, isn't that neat? To hear the covenant and oneness term with the Father in that? He's, it's, he's talking like he is the Father almost. He says, have you been with me so long that you don't know me yet? For when you've seen me, Philip, you've already seen the Father. It's like to know me is to know him. That's how precise he's talking there. To know me is to know him. The fact that you met me is like you've met him. So Jesus is the Father revealed. So, you know, that's why you hear people preaching. And I remember I, I heard Bill Johnson on a CD a couple years ago preach. You know, if, you're, if your belief or theology doesn't measure up or align to the life of Jesus, just simply change your belief. <laughs> it's simple. Because <laughs> in these last days, he has spoken through his. And I understand God speaks. I understand God's always speaking. Of course, I understand that. But listen to what Hebrews says. God has spoken. In other words, he has made the final statement. He has revealed it the way it is. So we're always going to be worthy. The door is always open for redemption. He's always merciful, always loving. No shifting, turning or shifting of shadow. God changes not. He has spoken. He has made an eternal statement through his son. He has spoken. Truth is here to make us free. It's not subject to change. Gives you confidence. You know how things shift and change and we ride out seasons for a while and then they shift and change and we get nervous with change. And, but the one thing you can be sure of, he will never fail to love you. The door will never close. You'll never be ousted out. You know, like a million years from now, it sounds corny, but I think this way. I can be corny sometimes, I guess. A million years from now, he's not going to say, stop, wait. Where's Dan in the crowd? Pull me out and say, I think I made a mistake when I let you here. He's never going to change his mind about me. He loves me. There's such a security in that. Do you know what I mean? So I'm in forever. I'm not out. I'm in. I'm alive. I'll never die. I'm found. I'll never be lost. <laughs> and I sit and I camp on that stuff. I think about that. I say that stuff out loud. To God and affirm that. And His presence touches my heart and bears witness to that. The Spirit of God bears witness with your spirit that you're a child of God. Now, if you're just walking around hoping you are, wishing God would reveal that, you're way late on it. It won't, that bearing witness won't be realized. It's when you step in and start saying yes to every yes of God. When you start communing and saying yes and put on your robe and just look good in it. And just say, wow, it fits perfect. You made this just for me. I was made to be righteous. You get it? Yeah. So then the Spirit of God bears witness with your spirit that you're a child of God. Why? Because you're there believing He wants you to be a child and He's made you a child and you are in fact a child. So as you agree by faith, grace comes on your life and bears witness that it's true. And you're not even concerned about being presumptuous. Do you know what I mean? So a lot of people that don't have that reality hear what we're preaching and think it is presumptuous. Like, well, who do you think you are? I'm trying to tell you. <laughs> Serious. People say, well, who do you think you are? I've been trying to tell you. <laughs> right? Yeah. And then, then, then they'll say some limited stuff like, yeah, but that was Jesus. Because see, that's just, that's a religious, that's a deceiving. But that was Jesus. Yeah, the one that said, follow me. And the same spirit that raised him from the dead dwells in us and will quicken our mortal body. And as the Father sent me, I send you. And 
I'm the firstborn among many, and I'm predestined to be conformed to his image. Do you need any more scriptures? <laughs> there's, there's more. <laughs> See, it's all there. See, we, we can miss the message. And uh, man, so he gave us the right. He gave us the authority. See, when you read a verse like that, guys, and I'm, t- I'm going slow with this on purpose because I want you to see how much is here in just a couple verses. And we could go to almost anywhere in the Bible and do this. You could just open up the Bible and start reading Scripture, especially New Testament, letters to the church, life of Jesus, and you could just go, wow, there's so much there. So please don't be in a hurry to just know what your Bible says. Hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. As many as receive Him. So you have to receive Him. You have to understand He is the way. He is your Messiah. He is your answer to salvation and redemption. He is the truth about your life and what your life is called to. He's not just the truth about the Father. Watch this. He's the truth about you. He reveals what you're created for. He reveals what your life is predestined for. Without Jesus, life would be an experiment, a guessing game, trial by error, survival, whatever. But now that he's come, we understand why we are. Does that make sense? That's why, we, that's why he's our everything. Why is he our everything? Sometimes I think we think he's our everything because he can meet all our needs or make finances flow if we need him or give us a job when we need he's our everything because he can make our bodies feel better or whatever. And we need him. He's our everything because without Him we'd have no identity, no true identity. I find myself in Him. Do you understand that? That's why when you watch The Passion you can cry so much now. That's why you're done because you realize you're getting the significance now and it's hitting you personally where it's for you. That Father loves you. Papa knows you. It's not just the story for everybody even though it is but it's for you. Oh, man. (laughs) You get it? Ah. As many, as many. That means we're all in if we'll just receive. Do you realize there's no cutoff there? As many as would receive him. Do you realize there's no cutoff? Like they cut the registration off on the school. (laughs) They did. (laughs) They stopped it at 50. But... There's no cutoff here. As many as received you. So we couldn't write that. We couldn't write the gospel like that about the school. For as many as applied and registered. (laughs) Nope. It's not. But as many as would receive him. There's no cutoff. Isn't that amazing? So anybody. That's us. Anybody that tells you. Well, it's too late for me. Well, God wouldn't accept me. Well, God doesn't love me. It's important to know these scriptures a lot of times, to have them in your heart, because Holy Spirit can raise them up in you then and take you right to the person, right to that spot, to where you challenge their heart and call their heart to faith, to where everything else is just a mental excuse. But, but, but let their heart see that, you know what? The truth is I need to receive this no matter how I feel, no matter how my life's been, because the Bible says... As many as receive him. So all I have to do is receive him. And, and that makes me part of the many. And you can walk people through that stuff. I show them scriptures about once for all. And things like that. Where they realize that they're just talking themselves out of what God's saying is true. And they're just living out of their own mind instead of the word of God. So you want to know some of those scriptures. Because there's a lot of people that have reasons why they can't be in. 
why this won't work for them, why it's too late. Who's ever bumped into people that had that mentality? And they're trying to talk themselves out of the truth that's there to make them free. Because they're so disheartened, they're so discouraged or deceived or whatever. Did you have something, John? Well, you know, this is so neat because they, you know, verse 11 we're talking about, it says yesterday and his own did not receive him. That, you know, but verse 12 starts out, but. But, as many would. That's as many and to them and to those, that's us. Okay, and to them he gave the right. That just, you know, how we can know that, but we don't know that. Right. Okay, and it's like that right in that Greek word. It says, you know, it can mean authority or our ability to understand that we are the children of God. Right. Or our privilege to understand that we are the children of God. And the capacity to know Right. We are the children. Now watch what he's saying. He said you, we can know that. And this is a big thing for a lot of us. We say, man, I know that, but I don't know that. Okay? There's only one way to know that, and it's the simple way, and I keep going over it and over it, and there's no other answer, which is good. It's good there's no other answer. It's a narrow way. Confined is the way. But the psalmist said, the Lord has set me in a broad place. It's like you go through the narrow eye of truth through Jesus, the way, and go, wow. You get through the little people into the broadest place you've ever been in your life. <laughs> Do you get it? Oh, I'm losing it now. Forgive me. I don't mean to be flaky. But you go through this narrow, confined way called Him and enter into the kingdom. <laughs> Whoa. Now watch. There's only one way. There's only one way. You're reading stuff like this. That communion, meditating in the Word, communion. Not just reading for Bible knowledge. Just Not just reading for head understanding. Because who's ever... Oh, I don't even need to ask you to raise hands. A whole bunch of hands will come up. Watch this. Uh, you don't, don't even bother. We'll read the Bible, know what it says, and because it's not a reality, get frustrated. And be like, duh, right? And I'm not even asking you to raise your hand because there's all... <laughs> The two-thirds of you would shoot your hands up. Watch this. It's not something you're waiting to fall in your lap. It's not just like a, a, a coin and a cling. Oh, and that's how it's taught a lot. I don't teach it that way. It's all through relationship. It's you reading, like John just said, wow, his own, his own. That means we were never disowned to those who believe in his name. I believe in your name. That means I'm in. You love me. You've predestined me from the beginning. Father, I receive right now sonship. And I see in the word that it's your desire for me to be your son. You've adopted me into sonship. And I wear it humbly, but yet very, very proudly in a, in a healthy sense, right? And you just all of a sudden you're conveying your heart and you're saying yes when nobody in the world is around. Now that's the key. You have to understand that's the key. Why? Because that's where it's just you. It's just God. When you seek Him, you seek Him in the secret place. He who is in secret will see you there and reward you in the open. What are you seeking? To know Him. What's your reward in the open? Knowing Him. You get it? Oh, come on. 
apart from the secret place and communing and expressing and exchanging God with God in truth, I don't see any place outside of that place where there's a grace that transforms us with revelation. Here's the deal. You don't even have to feel like a son. The Bible says you're made a son. Right? Bless you. (laughs) You want to do the little uh, safety thing before we take off? Because we're ready to fly. Did you want to get people to make sure they're belled in the oxygen masks and everything? You could do it. (laughs) She's like... (laughs) We're about ready to get in the river over our heads, so your seats turn into a flotation device. And if... I'm just thinking. I'm just thinking. <laughs> Welcome to the class. Amen. I just uh, I just saw our flight attendant coming in. I thought, well, since we're ready to fly, it's good she's here. So I just thought she'd run over a few procedures before we take off. But uh, <laughs> watch this. You might not even feel like a son. Your mind might be struggling saying, well, you're not a son. But at what point do you just, by faith, and this is the part sometimes I think we struggle with because we, we, don't, we don't admit this, but I drill it a lot. We live by senses, sensuality, feelings more than we care to admit. Yeah, that's where all the yell butts come from. Yell butts can only come from that. There's some other sense of something. But at what point do you honor the word above all? See, when, when you honor the word above how you feel, above the voice that's trying to speak in your head that's contrary, when you honor the word and say, look, I settle, this is the word of God. I just settled, this is your word, it's life-giving, it'll never change, it's your word, all of it. I receive it as your voice. Your heart, your way. You understand what I mean? And you honor this thing like he magnified it above his name. You honor it above everything. And you begin to say, you know what? This word is going to change my life. Because I'm going to receive it face value. I'm going to receive it literally today for my life. Today in the year 2010. And your mind is saying, yeah, but. And your feelings are saying, but I don't feel. Watch this. You're saved by grace through Faith. Now watch. You're saved by grace through... So grace works through... No faith. Is the grace still there waiting? But is it received without faith? So here's what makes it so powerful. This is what will make... This is what will cause you to be so in love with a man. <laughs> right, John? Watch. Because it's all by faith. It's not by works. Least any man should boast. So catch this. When you're releasing faith, grace is making you into, molding you, sculpting you, etching you into the very thing you're declaring and agreeing with that God says. And it's making you the finished product of the, of the cross. It is beautiful. And then it's like, ta-da. But watch, you've done nothing to change. 
You've just came into agreement with that truth in the secret place. God meets you there where your faith is in the face of how you feel. And grace starts sculpting and etching and molding. And the master potter's hand is just... Ah! And he's... You get it? Yeah. So, so without faith, there's no master craftsmanship. There's no all the clay does is yield. That's all the clay does. If you if you study out a potter in clay, there's an amazing teaching there. If if it's not if it's not wet enough, if it's not pliable enough, then they have to wet it down and sit it on the shelf till it gets to the right place. Man, you can be just at the right place now by faith. That's the key. You don't have to sit on the shelf. You don't have to not be wet enough. You can be wet enough now. See, sometimes we think, well, that's when God's just got me on the shelf for a little till he's wetting me down. Well, get wet already. That just means be pliable. Just be workable. Just give him something to work with called faith. I believe what you say about me through the cross no matter how I feel. And then grace will come into that setting and begin to etch and mold and work and breathe away the sawdust and the plaster and whatever. And oh my goodness, what a masterpiece. Looks like Papa. (laughs) Do you get it? I'm just trying to act it out in a simple way that we can grasp. But if there's no faith, there's no grace to transform. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word and it works through love. (laughs) God so loved, he gave his word. So the Word of God is God's love for us. He gave us the truth so we could be free. How much does He love us? Oh, how He loves us. God so loved the world, He gave His only Son. Who was His only Son? The Word made flesh. So God loved us so much, He gave us His Word and manifested it through a man called Jesus. That's His love for you. It's... It's, this is His love for you. He doesn't want you in the dark. He wants you in the light. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word. Here's the devil's tactic. You read life-giving stuff and the devil counters with sensuality, feelings, and human wisdom. Trying to subvert faith because if faith ever comes, grace comes. Do you get it? No faith. No grace. You can actually find in Romans 12, 3 that grace comes according to the measure of faith. The more I flow in sonship, the more I commune with God in the secret place, the more He sees me there and rewards me in the open with what I'm believing there. All of a sudden it becomes my reality. Now here's what happens to your life. Hey you, here's what happens to your life. You start getting in situations and responding different than you've ever done before, but you didn't try to apply a sermon. See, we're trying to apply what we've been taught as life comes. 
We're taking life as it comes and trying to pass through with what we've been taught. A lot of times that's what happens to us. No, the word becomes flesh. You become the word. There is no fork in the road. There is no which way do I go? Okay, stop, look, listen, what do I do now? No, in communion and union with God, you become, the word becomes flesh. And then as you get thrown into life, you respond in the truth you've become. Your, your life, that's called living by the Spirit. Now, I'm not saying it's wrong for you to have to get into a situation and then back up and go, whoa, and apply something you've been taught. It's okay. There's a higher place in the sense of becoming that word. Like I use the example that when I share about the car accidents and things and use different examples so how the nature of God looks and not loving our own life. And I use some of those testimonies for the sake of what, what Christ looks like in their situations. If, if that car crashes and I'm sitting there and I'm going, okay, okay. Now they call me Happy Dan at New Life for Girls. I'm Pastor Dan. I preach on love. I preach on loving people. Okay. I, I really have to reveal that right now. I'm way too late. Now I'm trying to act something out and give myself to something I'm already called to be. Okay. I won't turn you there just for the sake of time because we only have a few more weeks left of the school, like 10 or something. So whatever. I don't know. But it take too much time. But Matthew 7 says this. I'm being silly. Because you don't know how I feel every day I get up here. It's like, what, what are you going to teach all the time? I feel like we have no time to get done with what's going in my heart sometimes. It's like, and time just skates by and another week goes by. And I just don't want to be in December and feel like we didn't share. Watch this. Matthew says, the wise man hears and does. Now watch. We better, okay. I'm being corrected. We have to look at it. Matthew 7. He's fathering me. He says, Dan, you need to go there. Okay. Verse 24. Therefore, whoever. Who? Whoever. So we're all in, right? So we all have the doorway open to hear. We're all allowed to hear. (laughs) Nobody is restricted. Whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them. That's not works. That means respond to them in faith. So all of a sudden, he just does the whole Sermon on the Mount, right? And it's all about the position and condition of the heart, isn't it? If you really look at it. I'm in Matthew 7, verse 24. You bet. It's all about motives of the heart, conditions of the heart. You had your hand up just a while ago. Did, did, did you need to say something or ask something there? Yeah, Is that just, still relevant? Yeah, it just hit me that you had your hand up. Okay, just this the faith thing. So we, like, we read the words, so that's our hearing. And then from there, is it, is it a choice? <laughs> like what, in that process, what we hear? Well, it's, it's, it's showing yourself diligent. Sometimes just shaking yourself and saying, soul... Man, you're going after where your heart cry is. You know, sometimes you... Paul said, I buffet my body. I discipline. I buffet myself. In other words, I... Least after I preach to others, I myself am disqualified and not even walking in the revelation that I'm conveying. In other words, I'm not going to let myself get slack and lax. I'm going to... I walk the floor. 
Father, I just thank you. You've made me to be spirit. I live out of my spirit. And I thank you. My soul and my spirit have become one through the truth of your word. You've renewed my mind. And I thank you, God. I live out of my spirit. My soul's in agreement and my flesh says, yes, sir. I've prayed that for years. Because I don't need my flesh dragging me around, being the excuse of my life and saying, no, I want to go over here. You're with you. going with me. You know what? Here's another prayer I've prayed a lot. Father, I just thank you. My spirit is so willing and my flesh is strong because it's totally in agreement. Spirit, soul, and body, one before you, blameless till you're coming. My flesh is not a detriment. It has been crucified and raised up and redeemed in the sense that I am walking in oneness with you. And I talk like that to the Lord. Because sometimes we get religious with this stuff and we read a face right, well, you know, brother, your spirit's willing, but your flesh is weak. Jesus was only telling them that apart from prayer. They were sleeping. He says, man, get yourself in a place of prayer because your spirit's willing. You have good intention, good desire, but your flesh will drag you down and is a detriment if you don't think, keep that thing whipped through the realm of the spirit. A lot of times we give way too much power to the flesh just even in our understanding of it and stuff and some of the way we interpret the word. Like we just feel like we have to be bags and balls of flesh or something. The flesh is crucified. Spirit, soul, and body blameless till His coming. The flesh and the spirit are contrary to one another, Galatians teaches. Why? So that we do not do the things that we wish. Why? So that we're dependent on Him and understand the working of grace and that He's the one that's glorified and our lives are surrendered and submitted because we were created to live by the Spirit of God, which means the grace of God that flows. Do you get it? You're not self-made. You're not, nobody's going to pat you on the back. You say, whoa. It's, it's a grace thing. Do you know what I mean? You're, you're not a self. You don't earn your righteousness. The, the, the honor and the gifting, I believe, is the legacy we leave. And it's all an honor to surrender and submit to His name so that grace could have its way. And does that, does that make us commendable? Yeah, Paul talks about being commended to men's consciences, etc. Is there a legacy in that? Is there an honor in that? You better believe it. I believe there is. A life surrendered. A life chosen to be given up and live for the glory of God and trust and, and believe that this thing is real and it's worth laying down your life and loving people and expending your life for the sake of His name and the sake of others. Is that honorable in that day? Will that be esteemed and honored? Yeah. I think we'll be so humbled in the light of that once we've lived that life. I think the, the honor would be just the humble humility of just the, the privilege of being able to live this way. It's, we don't even know. I don't even understand all that, but I just know it's right. It's going to be right to sell out, surrender, and live for what you were created to live and put all your trust in Him. And one day we'll stand before him. And I, I just believe that day will be overwhelming and indescribable. I don't think we can relate to it right now. Do you know what I mean? Can you imagine being in the immediate presence of God where he's saying, well done. Well done. You good and faithful John. Enter in to the joy. Enter into the rest of your master. Can you, you, we can't even relate. You can hardly wrap around that, guys. I woke up one morning and the Lord was laying on me and said, I'm really pleased with you. And it was more than I could bear. I thought I was going to die for crying. 
I was wrecked. You have no idea. The presence of God was laying. It felt literally like he was laying on me and like he was Gucci gooing me somehow and I couldn't even take it. And I remember crying. He said, I am so pleased with you. Now you can have somebody prophesy over you for the Lord says he's pleased with you and he can bring a tear to your eye. But when you wake up and open your eyes in the morning and you open your eyes to the presence of God laying upon you and the voice of the Lord saying, I'm pleased with you. It's undescribable. I was so toasted. I remember crying in a pitiful voice. I said, what are you doing to me? I'm not even going to be able to get out of bed. I just remember being pitiful. I'm like, I can't wait. Do it to me. And you know what he was telling? You know why he did what he did? Because there was a strong injustice and gossip going on about me. And people had me tacked on a cross. And nobody even talked to me. Somebody just said something behind the scenes and the church grabbed it and ran with it. Even knowing better, knowing me, knowing my life. And said, what? He what? You're kidding. And because it was a hurting lady and she cried and said and conveyed, then it spread to a couple ladies that loved her. And now I was cut off. I was, I was a wretch. And I was being treated that way. And I was at church and right out of the blue, right in the hallway, this lady just unloaded on me in front of everybody. Puts you in a spot because you're thinking about caring for everybody, protecting hearts. You're not thinking about you, but you're in a risky place because what you say is critical because all of a sudden you're defending yourself, you're justifying, you're protecting. And I just remember responding in a very soft and gracious way. And I said, honey, obviously you're upset. You're right, I'm upset. How could you? And people are listening and looking and now everybody's getting contaminated with stuff. And then them seeds get into people's souls. And I just tried to share with her about the heart of the whole. And I I, I leaned in and I whispered real soft in her ear because I didn't want it to be heard wrong by people and misinterpreted. I just whispered, I said, honey. I said, I don't even know what you're talking about. Obviously, there's something going around, but nobody, unfortunately, has talked to me for the sake of everyone. Let's work this out in a quiet place. It sounds like I'm on the cross, but I'm not sure why. And when I said that, she realized nobody ever came to me and said, is this true? They just assumed it was true and then spread it. And she burst out bawling and came to her senses and realized who I was because she knew better in her heart. She just grabbed the storyline. And she bawled and she bawled. And then she felt like so bad, like how do I make this up? And I, I said, well, I said, honey, it's not about making it up. It's about you protecting yourself from this stuff and not being vulnerable to this stuff. Because Satan would love to take people that have had, had held integrity in your heart and mind and, and crush all that, da, da, da. Well, then I had to go preach. And then I preached that night. And what the Lord was saying, I'm pleased with, that nothing I preached had anything to do with the situation. And it made him so excited. <laughs> I don't know if he speaks to you with emotion. I'm not, I don't talk like this too much because people then they compare to one another. And they're like, why don't I hear it with emotion? Don't do that. <laughs> just grow up in him. Just grow with him. But the Lord, just, it's just a grace. If he did that with you and didn't do that with me, it's, I'd be happy for you. But he speaks sometimes with emotion and conveys the motives and feelings of his heart. 
And he was saying he was pleased with me and I'm bawling and bawling. And then I said, what's going on and why? And he spoke to me like we were talking, but it wasn't audible. It was in my spirit, but it was clear English. And he showed me how I didn't project on any situation. I didn't project anything to any person. I didn't try to protect myself to build back up my name. I just preached Jesus like I always do. And it pleased God. And then he, I felt this sadness in his voice of how many people he's entrusted authority to, a calling to, a gifting to, to teach, and how they've allowed things to get their heart, grab their heart. Now they're using the authority of the pulpit to project their issues and to try to be right and sway people and, and it has nothing to do with what God's saying. And, and that would be sin to do that. And I'm very aware that that would be sin to me to, to, to use this setting that I'm privileged to be in to push my thoughts and issues and beliefs just in the way of man or just to adjust things or I'm over here preaching and thinking I hope you're hearing over here that would be sin because if I had an issue like that where should I be apart from all of you I should be over here in the quiet secret place making sure things are right and at peace not Preaching with passion and fire, hoping you're listening. Because it's not until you get alone with people, you might be amazed how things work out in those settings and how you might not even be seeing like you think you're seeing and all that stuff. The way things appear and the way things really are are almost always extremely contrast. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, but that morning, he woke me up saying, I'm so pleased with you. So I know just from that one little experience, I mean, that was probably, that was probably so, don't hear this wrong, I'm just trying to relate. It would be so minuscule, that experience compared to that day. Did you get what I said? I hope I'm not doing injustice to the experience because it was amazing. Like he says, these light afflictions are nothing compared to the eternal weight of his glory to be revealed in his coming. That day and what's going to be revealed in that day is so beyond probably that experience on my bed and that experience on my bed was so overwhelming I didn't think I was going to get out of bed. <laughs> so we probably ought to live for that. Amen. Who had a hand up? I saw someone... Was... Um, so what I hear you saying is when, when something is um, happening and you're about to share something that you go into the five time and deal with that so that when you're preaching it's not coming out. Well here's the well here's the deal. No, and no, that's but that's good. No, actually that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is the more I accept the call of God in my secret place, why I'm a Christian, that I'm to become love and take on the nature of God, die to myself, you love me, I'm a son, I'm righteous. All these truths that I preach all the time, they become mine, they become my reality. So when I'm touched with injustice or injustice or touched this way, it's not a shock to me. I don't have to regroup. I don't have to go quick and pray in tongues in the bathroom and get a grip on my emotions so that I can face the situation. That's how a lot of times we're caught living. And we tend to be self-conscious and stuff instead of... So what I'm saying is, and that's why I have this at Matthew 7, so Matthew 7 will answer it. There's a place to become the Word that when you get thrown into the situation, the Gospel defends you. A lot of times we get thrown into the situation and run to the Gospel for help to try to get our 
to get a grip. And that's why we lose a lot of battles, because we're running to the gospel when crisis hits or when challenges and trials, then we run to God for a response or an answer when we're to already become the Word made flesh. So when, when the gospel, when we're pursuing the gospel all the time, crisis arises, the gospel responds through our lives. Does that make sense? Because faith is released in that place and grace is etching you and molding you. So then what responds in the situation looks like Jesus. Without trying to apply the last sermon I preached. Without consciously trying to go, okay, uh, what am I supposed to do? Okay, yeah, that's right, I've got to forgive, I've got to forgive. That's not what we're talking about. Okay, I've got to forgive, I've got to forgive. Do you see what I'm saying? So what we're talking about is walking in a place of forgiveness where you're not touchy and you don't have those issues. Here's what I want you to see. Matthew 7. Look at Matthew 7. Thanks, Papa. Verse 24. Therefore, whoever, who? Whoever. Here's these sayings of mine and does them. I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. Now watch. You got to catch this. I caught this years ago. I know it was only by Holy Spirit, but I believe the same grace that I see this in. It won't be confusing. Watch this. Let me just read it again without interrupting or breaking up, and I want you to hear this. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built. Something's already built. He built his house on the rock, and the rains came. Do you hear a time frame there? Do you hear a grace period to hear and do and have something built and then the rains come? Do you see the grace of God on this? Watch. So as Morgan's hearing, the storm isn't... As she's hearing God, there must be some kind of sovereignty in this. God's bringing the message of Morgan's life to her heart and he's pouring it into her and there's some kind of sovereignty that's keeping the enemy from just washing that thing out. And he's giving her some kind of time frame, whether it's a day, whether it's three weeks, whether it's a year. I don't know in certain situations, but she's hearing and she's wise if she becomes what she heard by entering in and saying yes. Doing it doesn't just mean making apple pies for the neighbor, even though that's good, right? Doing means saying yes to every yes of God. When he says you're a son, be a son. When he says you're forgiven, then walk forgiven. When he says you're loved, then go ahead and be loved. Do you see what I mean? You hear, you hear the word of righteousness and you wear it. That's the doing side. It's not just conditions and commandments and love your neighbor and give to the poor and pay your tithes. That's all part of doing the word too. But you can't cut it off there. Doing the word is becoming everything it says you are by faith in the secret place. Do you get it? Watch, because that's how you're building the house. He's talking about building a house. He's not talking about earning merit. So if you're building a house, he's talking about establishing your identity, establishing who you are because of him. You're hearing the word, you're hearing these sayings, and you're allowing your heart to be brought into the right position to live all these things, because all these things are issues of the heart, the Sermon of the Mount. It's the condition and position of the heart. It's living from a selfless place. It's storing up treasures in heaven, because you're not coveting for yourself here on earth. It's all about that. 
He said, you say, but I say. You say, but I say. So he's changing the language by which we live. Does this make sense? Okay. So when you hear the word and do it, you're likened unto a wise man and you built. What'd you do? You built, built. You're not building. You built your house on the rock. I'd love to, you established the truth. And the truth is now in position to keep you free. And then the rains came. Uh Uh-oh, this is so clear. Are you getting this? And then the rains came. Do you hear the window of grace for you to become the word? So so he's saying to you, I'm going to let you hear my word and do my word. And nothing's going to take that from you. You have that opportunity. That might be, that might be, there might be something coming and God gets a word in due time to you. And you might just have, you might just have a window of time to just say, wow, that's your word for me. But because of relationship, all of a sudden you become that word just in a secret time, just driving in your car. And tomorrow something hits your life. And if you didn't have that word, you'd have fell. Do you get what I'm saying? Or, or it might be something more and he's building something a little more in your life and it might be three months from now and when the crisis hits, you're like, wow, I am so glad for that word. Man, three months ago, if this would have happened, I wouldn't have known what to do. I didn't even have to think about it. And all of a sudden you rejoice and you cry because you know it's the working of grace and you know God's a great papa and you know he gets all the glory and he's amazing and all of a sudden you get flaky and fuzzy inside because Jesus is awesome. You get what I'm saying? Or people come up and say, John, what is going on with you? Man, I remember if you were in a situation like that before, you'd have been this or that. I mean, I just see you growing and changing. What's going on? And John, in his heart, the only thing he could answer of himself is, I'm just believing God's word. And he knows it's nothing he did. It's what he's becoming through faith. And then he realizes grace is changing him. Grace is changing him. So when I got saved, I had people coming to me and they were saying, what's going on with you? Man, how are you growing like this? How are you this? How can you live this? And I, and I would just cry. And I'd say, He's just so amazing. And they'd be like, what? Yeah, but what? But yeah, da, 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 da. And they'd want to get real intellectual with me. And I was like, God's just good. And it would just mush me up. And God's good. And then I'd have to go back in my bedroom. Ooh, you're just so good. <laughs> and then I'd get worse. <laughs> me, meaning worse. More like that. And, but it was the be- most beautiful thing. Because for five weeks when I got saved, five whole weeks, I didn't pray for you. I didn't pray for nobody. I didn't pray for nothing. I saw, Holy Spirit showed me if I didn't have love, I had nothing. And I went through this Christian confession thing before in my life. And I went to church before in my life. And I sat on my bed. And I remember saying, if you don't make my heart yours, then I can't say I'm a Christian. Now, I just said that between me and him. That's not condemnation on you. Don't you hear that in a wrong ear? That was my conviction because of my story and my hypocrisy and the things I did. That's not a message I'm preaching from a pulpit saying, well, if you aren't loved, then don't call yourself a Christian. No, we're growing into him in all things. This was my own personal conviction to the Lord. I said, you've got to make me one with your heart. You've got to make my heart look like you. 
And, and then I would just meditate on love and I would pray about love and, and I would ask Him to just continue to fill me and flood me with who He is and I would begin to appreciate and thank Him and Holy Spirit would lead me into a lot of things that I teach in that five-week period. But I promise you, my life was revolutionized in that five-week period. In five weeks, I was hearing and doing and there was a house being built. Oh, that house has been built. Oh, storms come, rains come, winds come. <laughs> you can't, you can't knock, huff and puff all you want. <laughs> you ain't knocking the house down. You get it? It's not about the trial. It's about the house is built. The house is built. The house is built. It's not about the wind blowing. The house is built. What wind? Were you ever in a good, strong-built house and it was real windy outside and you didn't even know it? Couldn't even hear the wind. Man, we lived in a trailer growing up. Uh, 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 not growing up. and Growing up. My, uh, we didn't want our kids. We, we wanted to try to get a house by the time we had kids, but we, we started our marriage four years in a trailer and Lisa got born and was starting to grow up in our trailer, a year old. And, but I'll never forget that trailer. Destiny, you were in a trailer. You know what a trailer's like. We were in a trailer. Who's ever lived in a trailer? An older trailer, like the one from the 70s or 80s. Okay. When the wind blew, the roof would start rolling from one end to the other. My wife and I would sleep, and your trailer might not have been this bad, but we would sleep in bed and the wind would blow and our paneling would move. Our paneling would move. It was so crazy. One day, there were birds. There were purple grackle birds. They were in the spring flying. They landed on a roof and were walking around on a roof. They had picked up a piece of bread and they were fighting over it on a roof. And it sounded like an army walking on our roof. It was like... <laughs> and, and one night, there was a cat. I was out fishing late at night. My wife was home, young, newly married. And there was a cat walking up on our roof. And it sounded like a man. And she's... <gasps> And it was a cat. (laughs) It was just not too soundproof. Uh, Wind, cold. Uh, Oh, my goodness. We get like an oven in the summer. You couldn't even cool it down with air conditioners half the time. And and we would freeze in the winter. It was unbelievable, man. And uh, when we moved to our house, we were like, what? We couldn't tell it was windy. We could look out back. Route 30 is probably 100 yards behind my house. Cars, and we had the storm windows down, and we had our windows shut. You couldn't tell the highway was out there in our house. And I'm like, I was amazed by it. For weeks, I would look out the window and watch these trucks go by and go, whoa. (laughs) Serious. We were in a house. It was built. The elements outside couldn't get in. There was... But in the trailer, it wasn't built the same. (laughs) You get what I'm saying? It's just a simple, relatable principle. But when we moved in our house, it was like, oh my goodness, there's a whole lot more going on outside, but inside we're well. You see? Now, I want you to catch this. I know I've got some hands. I'm not ignoring you. I think Consuela has a question or something. I'm not ignoring you, I promise. Watch this. He's a wise man who built, who did what? He built. I'll tell you what, that's affirming your identity, establishing truth in your heart, continuing the word, and the word makes you free. And, it, and, and that's a, uh, this is a place where I'll teach sovereignty at times. It seems like there's a sovereign protection as you stay faithful to that process until what's necessary is building you. God is not allowing you to be overrun and taken over by more than you can bear. Right? He's not. 
He, he won't allow that. He'll always show you a way of escape. But watch, there's another line that can be somehow drawn, and I don't totally understand time frames on this, but I sure understand principle. Okay? Watch. The rains came, the floods came, the winds blew, beat on that house. But see, something was built. Not just heard, something was done, given to. So we became. So the house was built. Holy Spirit built something through truth. Grace built something around us. But the the troubles came, and yet it beat on the house, and it did not fall. Why? Because it was founded on the rock, which is really, it was founded on truth. It was founded on truth. Truth makes you free. Because the rock is Christ and He is truth. Okay? Now watch. But everyone who hears... Guys, I'm not being mean. You could sit in church your whole life and hear that God loves you and never personally exchange that with Him. And it'll never become your reality. You'll just know it intellectually. There's a whole lot of difference between me saying, Daniel, Jesus loves you, and Him being loved by Jesus. There's a big difference. Scripturally, doctrinally, it's right. Jesus loves you. And He always does and He always will. There's a big difference being loved by Jesus. He says, and the Father will, you will be loved by, if you keep my commandments, you'll be loved by my Father. And I will love you and reveal myself to you. That's a whole different place than just theologically, Jesus loves you. You follow what I'm saying? The Father will love you or you will be loved that's what it says it's verbiage it's you will be loved by the father and i will love you you get it it's good you want that watch you can hear your whole life and never release faith and have no grace to build anything and at some point i don't understand the time frame on this i just understand the principle At some point, the rains are coming after you hear. Whether you do or don't do, rains are coming, floods are coming, trials are coming. Why? Because Satan wants to steal the word. He fears the word. He fears that one day it'll become your reality. But isn't it amazing that God doesn't let him just run you over while you're hearing? Isn't that awesome? Yeah, so, so Morgan's sitting here, she's hearing something that's maybe speaking to her heart, or she's thinking, boy, I can apply that and just get stronger in a certain area. And then she'll get that little conviction, watch. And then say, I'll just use this, just bear with me. And then she'll just, you know, whatever, things will come up, and she'll just get negligent, and just that conviction will wane. And, and then two weeks later, you know, that'll come up again because Holy Spirit loves her. She'll be like, yeah, you know, I need to break away and just give my, yeah, I'm just so busy right now. And all of a sudden, two more months goes by. And next thing you know, this wind comes right in the way of the thing that God was trying to build in her life and just sweeps her to the side. And all of a sudden, she's weeping. And if she's not careful, she oh, I should have known better. God was trying to, Bill, do this to me. Oh my God, it feels so bad. And all of a sudden, condemned. All of a sudden, judge. All of a sudden, man. Next thing you know, where do you let that even go? Versus this. She hears that. God, you so want to build this in my life. That's awesome. Yeah. Man, I see that Holy Spirit. Thank you. She's driving home. 
She wakes up in the mornings doing a little whatever she's doing and, you know, doing her hair, getting ready to go out, whatever she's doing. And she's, Two months from now, that wind blows trying to get that place in her life. Something's been built. You get it? It's a big deal. Now she's not trying to fight. She's just responding in truth. She doesn't even recognize maybe the warfare. A lot of times we recognize warfare so much because we're so unprepared for battle. (laughs) A lot of things you wouldn't recognize. Jesus didn't recognize a lot of warfare like we do. The devils did because they were really in trouble when he was around. (laughs) They were the ones that were pretty worked up. (laughs) You don't see Jesus, "Ah, in the name of, in my name, (laughs) I bind you. (laughs) I mean, you see him in a a couple settings just walking, just walking down the road, and devils just falling at his feet. That's like intense. Yeah, it wasn't because he was like, I perceive demonic activity. <laughs> Shaba. Wah! Yes, I knew they were here. Boo, 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 boo. <laughs> I'm just having fun. <laughs> Forgive me. I just got to have fun every once in a while. <laughs> that's, that's just why we hear these teachings and they sound so cool. But we got to put life to them like we say warfare is done from the place of rest. And it sounds so spiritual and good. But let's understand that. Rest, from the place of rest, peace with God and rest, not striving and struggling. When you're striving and struggling in warfare, you're actually saying the enemy's awesome and he's amazing and if I don't work harder, I'm going to lose. A lot of our energy in warfare is actually commending the enemy, making him a big deal. We've made a monster. I'm getting out on ground I'm not supposed to be covering right now. But there's a truth there, and maybe we'll get to it one of these days. You just have to be very careful. Your motivation should always be the answer, the finished work of Christ. There's a joy and a peace in the kingdom. It's joy unspeakable. It's peace beyond understanding. Think about it. I think, I think, I think we're called to win. I think we already won. I think, I think he always causes us to triumph through Christ. And not because we hold on tight long enough and finally get a breakthrough. Some of our language in the church is just because of many experiences people have had. And this whole breakthrough thing, the stones rolled away. (laughs) In your bedroom is where you break through. In intimacy is where you break through. In knowing Him is your breakthrough. You rise in the likeness of His resurrection. doesn't say unless, of course, you're attacked with many devils and you're in a long battle. The wilderness, Jesus came out of the wilderness, not sun parched and weary saying, pray for me, I've been in a wilderness for a while. He came out with the Spirit and power. Can I ask something about that? Because if the angels had to come and minister him, he'd gone 40 days without food and water. So I'm always thinking that, you know, they had to come. The angels came. Divine empowerment. But watch this. So if you go into the wilderness on your own, are you in trouble? 
If you go in self-conscious, are you in trouble? If you go in selfishly, are you in trouble? Of course, ask the, the Hebrews. They went into the same wilderness and died there. They could have known their God there. The wilderness was a place to really get to know Him. Trust Him. Worship Him with their trust. And because they were self-centered, it'd be better for us if we'd have been back and eat. It'd be better for us. Man, our diet was better when we were eating leeks and onions. Da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Us, us, me, 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 me. They're in a wilderness, but God's there. See, who cares where you're at when God's there? Because if God's there, it's not a wilderness. But if all you see is wilderness, then you're trying to get to God and get God to do something because you're defining your life as a wilderness. I've met many Christians come to me and say, how are you doing? Us? They'll say, well, I've really been in a wilderness place, brother. Just keep me in prayer. And sometimes, if there's grace, I'll say, well, it must be the Hebrews' wilderness, not Jesus's. Because I can see it's taking a toll. You must be getting conscious of yourself. What? What do you mean? Because all of a sudden, it's just Christian language. I'm in a wilderness, brother. Pray for me. I'm in a wilderness. Well, the last time I saw a wilderness that somebody was in was Jesus. And he came out more anointed with the Spirit and power than before. Why? Because when he went into the wilderness, it wasn't about him. It was about God and you. He was totally selfless. If you have one ounce of self-centeredness in your life going through a wilderness, it's uncomfortable. You don't like the accommodations and there's not in the provision. And you got issues. Because your flesh has a lot to say. And all of a sudden, it's about what you're going through instead of who he is in that place. You follow me? So they died in the wilderness because they were self-conscious. Jesus was anointed with the Spirit and power in that place. Came out of there anointed with the Spirit and power because he was selfless. It's the only difference. And because he was selfless, he's trusting in God. Angels came, ministered to him there, strengthened him there. So he came out of there a total product of grace. Why? Because he didn't feel sorry for himself in the trial. <laughs> you might wonder why we're on this. Just write this down. This, this will help you, but you'll have to be accountable to hold yourself to this. It's not some profound statement. I don't make too many. I don't think that are real deep. <laughs> Feeling sorry for yourself. Is the absolute worst trap of your life. It's an absolute trap. It's always the devil. Always. You can put always, capital letters, exclamation point, a whole way across the page if you want. Feeling sorry for yourself is the number one tactic, I believe, of the devil. And it will blind you, rob you, cheat you, and really mess you up. Feeling sorry for yourself is a lie. That's not Jesus. If Jesus felt sorry for himself and there was, why do I have to go in here? Why did I have to come and take on the body of a man? See, if you feel sorry for yourself in any way, if it's selfish in any way, as soon as he received conflict from people, he would have questioned what he was doing and why, and he would have been threatening to backpedal. Would you repeat that again? Feeling sorry for yourself is number one. Just put, don't do it. <laughs> ever don't do it ever 
It's like the number one deception. People, they get self-conscious. They turn back in where we're supposed to have denied ourselves, and then we start feeling sorry for ourselves. Well, I thought that died when we got saved. You follow me? Yeah, but what about me? No, it's always about Jesus and others, and you'll find grace in that place. And that, Donna, is where angels will come and minister to you and give you. You will never run out of strength in that place of not feeling sorry, refusing to feel sorry for yourself. You'll never run out of gas. Because then it's not about you, it's about Him and others. And your motive's always pure, and the pure in heart shall see God. Yo, man, I'm preaching good. I hope you guys got this recorded or something. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> it's just so, do you see how the word makes so much sense? Yeah, and when you have the time to teach it out like this, all the dots connect, you know, or else they're just scriptures that we put on our fridge and they sound so spiritual, but they need to become us and our reality, right? Now watch this. Were you waiting? Who did somebody have a? Does I have somebody on hold? Did you have a question? I've been waiting on hold for a long time. I'm so confused now. I know what my question was. <laughs> Maybe you're not. Maybe the question's answered. What do you mean you're confused? I'm confused because I've heard you're not just talking to Mary. Why? I won't give you more than you can handle. And then I've heard it. I, that whole idea of it right there confuses me because. And then when you added to it with the, the time frame there, well, that's so what in retrospect, like um, if, if we've been in a crisis situation and we didn't handle it well, right? so God actually had us prepared to handle that, we just didn't choose to use the armor that he gave us. God's not just, according to this scripture, God's not just letting you get run over. But I heard that, but I heard also that God won't intervene every time. There's, there's places, if he would just bail us out constantly, when would we ever get sober-minded? When, if, if we're hearing the word and not doing, hearing and not doing, and he's just watching our back and just jumping in there, and, and it's, do, do, do. you see parents like that in life, and their kids are 40, still living at home, and don't have a penny, etc., 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 and we call that a shame. But then we want God to father us that way. No, God's an amazing father. He'll father you in love. And sometimes it's a challenge. Sometimes it'll put you in places you wish you didn't have to be. But what it'll do is it'll cause you to be sober-minded. What, is, what this is saying is, if you hear my sayings, there's a conflict coming. There's winds and waves coming. And if you read Mark 4 in the sower's, sows the word parable, it actually reveals that there's a direct response of Satan to the preaching of the word. And what he fears is the word. He doesn't fear you. He fears the word coming alive in you. So we're always prepared when that trial hits. Whether we choose. He will not allow you to be tempted with more than you can bear, etc., etc. In other words, he always gives you provision, wisdom along the life, along your life. God is speaking into your life. He's sowing into your life. He's giving you grace ample to live and fulfill everything he's called you to be. Sometimes we haven't been faithful. Sometimes we haven't just entered in sometimes we've just allowed our hearts to go dull sometimes we just didn't seem to get it and didn't try anymore to get it just you know whatever sometimes we just got deceived in religion or whatever but every one of us we go through these trials there's like this one right here i want you to see this i'll just teach out of this one and answer your question even more but everyone who hears these things of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house. So he's talking directly about conflict that's coming because of the hearing of the word. 
Now, there's times that Satan comes just to try to to crush you or whatever. That's where you and I would have to, Consuela, we might not have necessarily had the answers. We might have felt like we were blindsided. We might have felt like a tragedy happened right before we got saved or after we got saved, and we, you know, it was almost too much to bear. The only thing that will make that true is if you harden your heart or shut up your heart. Isn't it amazing how many people in those situations get a wrong view of God? Their first thing is the wrong view of God. Why? So they can't receive what he says. Do you see the strategy? Do you think that's coincidence? That the first response of humanity is blaming God, mad at God. How could you? And, and, and all of a sudden he's somehow involved in a negative way. Why? Because then you can't honor what he's saying because the only thing that can bring you through that crisis, ironically, is the truth of God's word and the love and nature of God. The only thing that can rebuild and restore and even keep your heart going forward is who he is. And the first thing Satan wants to do is maul and mar who he is in our sight. Isn't that amazing? Okay, but do you realize that's not an accident that that happens? That's a strategy. That's a demonic strategy. And then the church contemplates it or or, uh, 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 accommodates it and and, and adds to it by preaching these as doctrines, some of these mentalities, and God allowing and God doing, well, God sometimes this and da-da-da-da-da, actually enforcing in the name of false teaching that steals, kills, and destroys. Yeah, so go ahead. What did you want to share? When... Two months after Sarah's diagnosis, you know, we prayed. And I was in Todd White's house talking to, unfortunately, talking to her mother. And I say unfortunately because I was sick. And I said, if Sarah has to have this surgery, I'm done with God, I'm done with church, I'm done with praying, because I'm sick and tired of false hope. Because I found, you know, my whole life I lived... If you, if, you, if you do it, you'll, you'll know it's coming. Don't trust man. Don't trust, don't trust, don't trust, because it'll never come, whatever. And I was serious. I was dumping God. I was like, you know what? I'm tired of false hope, because that's what I had been finding. Well, went into the surgery, walked away from Sarah, went to sit in the room, knowing what they were doing to her, right? Draining her brain fluid, letting the brain tilt back, killing her face off, cut her skull open. Pretty graphic stuff. I never prayed for God to give me the strength to get through that moment. Because I hadn't even thought about sitting in the waiting room and waiting. And you know what God did to me? I didn't I didn't sit there and bawl my eyes out. I didn't sit there and fret and worry. I actually sat there with Pastor Don and a few close friends and talked. God even had me go up, walk the hall, and pray for a woman that was so sick. But I wasn't sitting there fretting and worrying. And it wasn't because I prayed and asked God to help me get through it. His grace was so amazing for me that he just allowed me to have peace, complete and total peace. Through that whole surgery. Right. And even, and even but see, that's just the sheer goodness and mercy of God. Now watch this. You were humble enough. But you were humble enough to share that. But watch this. And this is a caution to all of us. There is a place and a time down the road where see through that mercy, through that goodness, goodness is to cause us to repent. So in other words, is he anyone to be mad at? Is he anyone to have that attitude towards? So what you have to be careful to never do is allow the goodness of God to enable you to continue to be the same. 
In other words, you're humble enough to share that, confess your faults to one another, pray for one another that you be healed. There's a place to share, hey, I was this, but God still just came and the whole reason he does that is because he's bigger than our sin, our wrong mentalities. He's good, he's amazing. But here's the deal. There's a time if we don't get that message according to this scripture, if we don't get that message, our actual attitude, misunderstanding or misconveying of God could be the very thing that's bringing on the adversities. And absolutely cutting us off and him off because of wrong view, because of a willful perspective that God has already obliterated through his goodness, through his mercy. Because what, what he wants to do is father you and say, you know, he doesn't want you to project on him like that. He wants you to love him like he loves you. Agape him and believe the best about him like he believes the best about you. Because if he started dealing with you face value like you did with him, Big trouble, and you know that in your heart. Now watch this. Upon the confession of your mouth, there's Christians that know that. I'd be in trouble, but the next crisis is still saying the same things, still venting the same wisdom that isn't wisdom at all, still, and not allowing the gospel to groom them into a place of truth. And that's what this scripture is talking about because at one point, great is the fall. Great is the fall. And there's a place that God's goodness and mercy is designed to change us and bring us into agreement with truth. And that's why I say, you know, you've heard me say this. I've settled in my heart to be mad at God at this point in my life, to be mad at God would be absolutely insane. He's given his son. Even little Sarah is a gift. She's a blessing. And you have the right to not covet her at the cost of God who gave the gift. But protect her and do everything he's given through the Son to believe in, etc. And the bottom line, if worst comes to worst in our lives and we actually lose one of our children, God forbid, thank God for the blood that keeps them for eternity and the mercy of God that allowed us to bring life forth in the first place and bring forth a living soul. See, we miss that because we covet this life we live for today. We live for the temporal and we, we don't see past right now most of the time. So then we covet what was a gift and a blessing because all good things are from God. God never intended the gift to take his place or cost his reputation and identity. So God gives us the right to bear children. He's also given us the right to subdue the earth, to live without fear. How many of us are just guilty, not in the sense of shame and guilt and condemnation. How many of us are guilty in the sense of we've all functioned in this now that we've heard the truth, still functioning by the fear? There's a place to hear and become. You hear, yeah, I know I shouldn't be fearing, but... Yeah, I know I shouldn't be fearing, but... And ten years from now, yeah, yeah, I know, but you know, we all get a... Well, but... And next thing you know, what we fear the most comes upon us and then God takes the hit. And we haven't allowed Him to groom us into a fearless place, into a place of authority and anointing. Do you see what I'm saying? Listen, you just need to settle this no matter how rational your mind can click and work and function, when the clay finds fault with the potter, it has to be wrong. When the creation has something over the creator. Like wisdom, insight. If you can subpoena him in the court of your mind and find him guilty, you're way off base. Because he's just and righteous in all his ways. 
My goodness, we will find that we were deceived and we've set up God with wrong understanding. And and watch this, flip the table, which he would never do it. He could subpoena us in the court of his mind and we're all done. Justifiably done. You see, so dwelling on this and I'm camping on purpose on this just because she was humble enough to share that because if you're carrying the capacity to get, it's like a blindside, all of a sudden it's, it's your little baby, it's your girl and all of a sudden the emotions and some unresolved conflicts and some other crises and times where you felt sorry for yourself and didn't deal with it and felt like you took other hits and God wasn't there for you and you've never continued in a relationship to grow. It's like marriages. Marriages, you're together and all of a sudden you have the form and the appearance of a marriage but not really the connectivity of a marriage. And over years, there's little unresolved conflicts, things that were never resolved, never really communicated. And all of a sudden, you start growing apart in a sense instead of growing together because you've got this whole list of things that were never really cleared. It's unresolved conflicts. And they put little X's on the line of somebody's life. Like if I would draw your life in a line, my goodness, I'd actually use a chalkboard if I had one. You draw a little line, and then and then th- these little belief systems start marking your your the line, and all of a sudden now you're looking through little unresolved things, words that should have never been said, and it wasn't ever dispelled. And you say you forgive, but you sure haven't forgotten. And you're looking through that eye, and all those things start to matter. And all of a sudden, your life is a product of all these unresolved things. That can be the same way in your relationship with God. If you don't make peace with God through true understanding, through the Word, and then all of a sudden, one hit after the other, and all of a sudden, it's a cry. I'm just so tired of false hope. And it sounds so rational because her little Sarah seems to be hanging in the balance. And all of a sudden, it gives her the strength and the right to actually challenge God. And it's all deception. And isn't it amazing how good He is, huh? Because he doesn't say, okay then, if you don't want me, then you're on your own. See how you do. Tell me how that works out. See ya. Because that's what we would tend to do with somebody. Nope. God is so humble to consider the heavens are so wise and knowing just why she feels that way. He understands everything about Consuela to know what is even allowing her to go there. And even if it's not agreeable, even if he knows it's not right, he understands it and he loves her. So in his mercy, he comes and just covers her in something she didn't even ask for. Now, it would be just like God to do that. And then does a miracle in the operating room. It's just like God to do that. But it's to teach you also one of the most important lessons of your life. Don't ever, ever again put God in that category because He's your Father. I'm talking to everybody else too, okay? So I took time with that and just got personal because that's important. We never took a break, did we? Does anybody want to take a break? Take a break. Love you guys. Okay, I think we got that Matthew thing, right? Let's go back to John quick. John 1, because there's something we haven't made it to yet that I've been trying to get to, but it's so good. There's a lot there. Do you see what I mean when I say don't be in a hurry? Don't like, just don't be in such a hurry sometimes when you read and stuff. Because there's so much there. You want to you catch the intimacy and the, and the personal thing that God's saying, right? So watch this. We're still at verse 12 and 13. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right, the authority to become the children of God to those who believe in his name. Now look at this. Who were born not of blood... Oh, I love this. Not of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So it's God's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. It's of Him that you're in Christ Jesus. It's all His idea.
So this whole gospel we're preaching, you can't possibly be found in presumption because it's all from Him. And it's what He's saying and doing. Amen? Now I want you to see this. Verse 14. In the Word. This is huge. The Word, capital W-O-R-D. How'd He start the chapter? Do you remember how He started the chapter? In the beginning was the Logos of God, the Word of God, right? And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He, who, the Word, was in the beginning with God. He's talking about Him the whole way through. Who's He talking about? The Word made, the word made flesh. And dwelt among us. So looking at the life of Jesus is so huge. Not turning it into an Easter story and just the message of the cross, but the life of Jesus lived. The way he carried himself, the whole wilderness experience, the selflessness, not taking things personal, continuing in love, where sin abounding, grace abounding more, dying on the cross, the Pharisees accosting him while he's hanging there dying, showing no mercy, mocking him, heckling him, and he's still hanging there for their salvation. I think about that kind of stuff. Their minds are so twisted, they still don't get it. They're so blind and deceived. Here's what they're saying to him. Huh, he saved others. Can't even save himself. What was man's priority? Saving himself. What was every man for himself? So the mindset that they're in, trapped, here's Jesus, totally selfish, the living epistle of love, but love is God and God is love, and because they had never seen God manifested, they, they, they didn't see love. All they were expressing was the fall, even though they were leaders in the church. They were living by selfishness. So they went, say, what's the big deal? Greater love hath... Didn't we, isn't that what kicked us off? We, we read this. Greater love this week. Greater love. So greater love. So there's levels of love, apparently. But greater love, the highest expression of love is when a man lays down his life for his friends. So Jesus taught that and then demonstrated that. And they're going, well, he saved others as if that was smaller than saving yourself. Well, he saved others. Can't even save yourself. Save, hey, if you're the son of God, well, come down, save yourself if you're the son of God. Didn't they say that? Come down from the cross. Isn't that, see how twisted it is? As if saving yourself is more important than saving others. And look, he saved himself, but he he saved others and he can't even save himself. Well, if you saved others, you ought to be able to help yourself. You ought to be able to tap into God for your own sake in that sense. Now, it's not wrong to receive things from God that are covenant, that are blessings, that are things like that. But do you hear how twisted what they were saying is? And yet, he wasn't here to save himself. He was here to save the ones that were heckling him. (laughs) And when he raised from the dead, they had just as much right to be born again as anybody on the planet. Because love doesn't fail. Doesn't take account of a suffer wrong. So when the Pharisee would have heard Peter preaching uh, in the street one day or something, I'm just painting a picture. Say a Pharisee heard that and his heart smote him. Men and brethren, I'm cut to the heart. God doesn't come and say, oh yeah, now you want my kingdom. 
when my son needed you the most and needed you to intervene for him, you were there mocking him and now you want me to save you? That's how we've treated one another our whole lives. We hold men accountable for what they've done, this whole accountability thing in a wrong sense, and we hold them for what they've done and we hold it in front of their face and make them feel extremely responsible for something they can't pay back and then act like, well, but we'll let it slide. But you didn't let it slide, you held it high. God doesn't do that. Could you imagine one of those Pharisees coming to him repenting on that day, on the day of Pentecost, being in the crowd saying, I'm cut to the heart, what do I do? What was Peter's response from the Lord? Wasn't he speaking by the Spirit? So was God saying that through Peter? Repent, change your mind, wish you didn't kill my son, and I'll call you a son. It doesn't even stop with, just wish you didn't kill my son, and and I'll forget about it, and I'll call you a son. So much deeper. Right? So I want you to see this. The Word became flesh, dwelt among us. We beheld His glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So He's the grace of God revealed. I mean, it's big time. It's the love of the Father, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of Holy Spirit. We covered that earlier uh, in the school. So the grace, the love revealed the grace and the grace introduced us into the fellowship with God. Okay, now there's something, the reason I wanted to get to this, uh, well, I mean, we could read the rest, it's like so incredible. Let's just read it, but I want to show you something about the word. John bore witness of him and cried out saying, this is he who I said, he who comes after me is preferred before me, he was before me, and of his fullness we have all received, and grace on top of grace. Grace for more grace is kind of what that means. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one, and watch this, no one has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son who is in the bosom of the Father He has declared Him. So what that's really saying is no one has seen God at any time until now. Do you get it? No one's ever seen God until now. The Son of God has declared Him. That doesn't mean He's testified of Him. His life bore witness. He's the visible image of an invisible God. So no one has seen God ever, but the only begotten Son has revealed Him to us. Now we've seen God because we've seen the Son. Isn't that rich? Do you see that? Oh, it's so powerful. So nobody's ever seen God until now. Well, he's talking about, he's talking about invisible, tangible form. Invisible, tangible form. I don't know. He obviously didn't come in physical, tangible form as a man. He's probably a reality guy. He probably heard him audibly. Probably walked right beside him. I don't talk about it much because I don't talk about stuff much. But there was a place my wife and I, I'll just throw this out there and then I'll leave you hang on a little bit and just go back to where I'm going. There, there's, there is such an intimate thing so possible. There was a time, a season in my wife and I's life and, and, and I'm not demeaning my wife in any way. She had, she had went through some struggles then, just identity, different things comparing. And, and it seems like we're still rebounding from some things. There was a time where synergism was so incredible with my wife and I in prayer. 
that Holy Spirit, oh man, I can hardly ever talk it without crying. I thought I was fine until right now. Because uh, that's why I hesitated going there, because I thought I'll cry and get a mess. I'll be okay, thanks. Yeah, he's telling the grace is coming on me. But Holy Spirit would come in bodily form and walk with us in the living room when we prayed. And you could literally bump into him and feel him, like his shoulders. He would tangibly come that you could feel him like a man. And he doesn't have to do that. He was just relating. The first time it happened, I went over to the door and asked him if he'd come and stand by the door in our home fellowship and I bumped into him. And I cried and I actually went like this and cried. And my wife said, can I come over? And, 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 and she got about from here to there and wiped out and was out cold for an hour. In that season, Holy Spirit would paint eight and a half by 11 or eight by 10 photographs. That's what they were, eight and a half or writing paper. Eight, eight by 10 photographs. They were the size of your big picture portraits. He would paint them. He would manifest them in the middle of our living room. You could see them with your eyes of people's faces. And when you'd see their face, he would tell you everything about them you needed to know. And we'd call all those people in the morning and they would be wrecked and wiped because God would be loving his kids through discernment and ministration of the spirit. But it was in a place of, I've never had that in my personal life. But when two were one, two were one synergism. There's a, the, the highest expression of God is when a man and a woman in a covenant love surrender one another to the purpose of God and become one. There's a fuller expression. This is an amazing expression, the privilege of marriage and covenant. I, I have total access to him. I understand, etc. I get alone with God. I have all kinds of neat things, experience. But until I walked in that place with my wife synergistically, I had experience with the Holy Spirit that I've never had just on my own, even though he's very real and I know him as my best friend. But I have never bumped into him in my bedroom like that literally would come tangibly and manifest. In fact, it got so intense that we would tuck the kids in bed and run to the living room to meet with him and pray. And, and we'd walk into the living room and it was like, and he doesn't have to do this stuff, he's everywhere all the time, but it was like he would, he would make a curtain there in a sense of his presence where you would actually step into him. It was, it was crazy. Like good, crazy good. <sighs> He would be waiting. He was so excited that we were there to meet with him. And you know, you could say, well then, well, how would you ever step out of that place? You know, things happen. And this is where you better walk in love because if you have something like that with a loved one, you better be careful you're not selfish because then you just try to compel them back to that place and you're the one keeping us from that place. And da, 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 that's ridiculous. You go there, you're going way wrong place. Because that's just selfish right there. That's not even understanding what's going on in the heart of your spouse. And you're just trying to get back that good thing and putting all that responsibility on them. And it's just about where they can help you go rather than who they are. You know, I've heard a lot of people, well, you're just holding me back. And da, da, da. Stop that. Nobody holds nobody back but you. <laughs> there's, there's nobody on the planet can hold me back, all right? That's a lie. It's a lie. Is there a place that I could enter into in synergism with somebody that maybe I haven't entered into all by myself? Seems to be. That was my experience. Not ready to totally teach on other than just the principle of synergy itself. Two becoming one is a big deal. Two becoming one. Two becoming one. So him and I become one. There's an automatic synergism and a release of the kingdom through my life.
but now two become one. That's intense. Does that make sense? I personally have never had photographs appear in front of my face in my personal life. It happened for a season in my living room when my wife and I were in that place. It just shows what's possible. You can't teach on this stuff because then people make fads and chase after things and compare and come up with other things. It was just what he wanted to do. It was the way he related. The first one that ever happened was really amazing because it's a touchy topic. You don't want to judge a person's heart ever. You always believe the best, but I got a photograph of a, of a human heart. It was a picture of a human, medical human heart in my living room hovering right here. And I'm praying and I looked and it's right there and this lady's face appeared inside the heart that I knew. And the heart started to fade until it was black and her face disappeared. And I said, God, is there sickness is there something wrong with her heart physically? Or is there something wrong with her heart solically? He said, Dan, she's been wrongly motivated because of this and this and this. And her heart has taken a wrong turn. And she's not what she seems. The motivation of her heart is this and this. I want you to call her and share these things. That was the first one I got. In the morning, I woke up early. That's all I had on my mind. I probably didn't sleep. <laughs> Told her the vision told her what I heard I lost her on the phone she was crying so hard she came to herself she got so right with God got cleaned up and healed up and and actually don't see her much but know her to this day and every time she sees me she bawls and just holds me he rescued her he rescued her by putting her picture hovered it in my living room so then I so liked that and that started happening in that place of synergism we had a home group back then in our house the Lord we would bless the chairs and the Lord would start giving us words of knowledge over the chairs where the people were going to be sitting we didn't know who was going to sit there but we knew about them before so we would get excited to wait to see who was sitting where that's fun And the people would come and they'd all sit down and we'd say, man, we were in the room praying this week and Holy Spirit's just awesome and, and He's moving and, and, and we realized that, yep, that chair right there, we knew who was sitting there would be this and this and this and going through this right now or having this in their body and it was just always right on and it was so amazing. There's that place. Now we can have that stuff in our personal life, those words and eyes and things, but there was something that elevated when two were one. So it's just... It's not something to strive for. It's, it's just something to yield yourself to. Because, see, it's, it's, you have to be careful when you share this stuff because, because where people's hearts are in the church. There's things you can't share in the church because our hearts aren't ready to receive them. And what I mean by that is you can despise your husband or wife in the light of what I'm saying right now. You can think, well, I'm ready. I wish they'd get ready. Well, the only reason I'm not getting those kind of experiences is because of you. Well, no, that attitude right there reveals why you're not getting those experiences. <laughs> <laughs> so you can blame it all you want on everybody out of your mouth your heart speaks and you just revealed the real deal right there so as much as you're waiting on them God's probably waiting on you okay because peacemaking humility and love doesn't talk like that think like that act like that Jesus doesn't act like that the way that seems right to man does thinking of yourself and how your spouse is affecting you is self-centeredness you get it? 
So I shared that little testimony, and now I'm trying to protect everybody's heart so nobody dogs out their spouse, And okay? Because, I mean, there's sexual stuff that I had gotten revelations on that I have no permission to preach. None whatsoever, and it's incredible. It's, 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 it's book stuff. And can't preach it. God said the heart of my people, they would hurt one another with this knowledge. Now, in private settings, I've been able to share with people some stuff, and it's, it wrecks you. It's stuff that God walked us through and taught firsthand. It was just incredible, the beauty, the value, the purity. Oh, my goodness. And all of a sudden, it changed everything in perspective and all that stuff and took it into a heavenly place. But you can't share it because people would actually hurt one another with it. Because not everybody's willing to yield and die to themselves and some people covet their former experience, their former knowledge and some people think, well, hey, I've had three pastors talking about this topic say, look, man, just be quiet. Knock it off. I love my sex life. That's what I've had three pastors tell me. Look, I don't even want to hear anymore. Just stop, man. Look, I like my sex life. I say, man, you don't even know what you're saying. You're being presumptuous. And, but because of that right there, because watch this, so then you're preaching it in detail in a setting, even in a marriage retreat, and the wife is sitting there going, because that's how you ladies would in this revelation. Serious. That's just what you girls would do. And the husbands tend to go, because it depends where their life is. Oh, and then the wife holding him to that truth that so melted her or exposing him for not the truth and pressuring him and now all of a sudden there's this in the home instead of this because of the message. It's a big deal. So there's some things you just don't have a grace to speak even though it's truth because of how where people's hearts are. That's actually scriptural in the sense of Jesus said, how can I tell you heavenly things? when you can't even receive and respond to these earthly things we're talking about. Who had their hand raised? Mary? I'm just what you were saying a bit ago. For myself, I've spent many years with that attitude, that mindset, and I had to repent for that. And up until I was even able to realize how selfish I was. Yeah, we don't even realize it's selfish. It's so justified in the natural wisdom of it. Yeah, because of the... Lack of fruit or the expression, see, see, and then you feel this with see, and then their life affirms the way you feel, and it's all a trap. You know what else you start doing? You start listening to the sermons for them. In other words, man, I hope they're listening. Man, I hope he's listening right now. Man, I hope he ain't sleeping. And you're, all of a sudden, you're not even listening for you anymore. You're listening for your spouse because your heart's getting slowly hard, and you don't even realize it. That's heavy, man. It's good to talk about. It was just a, it was so good. I mean, I just thank God for the Holy Spirit and that when we seek truth that we find it. Yeah. You know, and that there's always an opportunity for repentance, for true repentance, and that the Holy Spirit teaches us how to correct that behavior and that attitude. Right. And to, to lay our life down. Right. And what a, what a difference. What a difference. Why? Because you get free from yourself. Because in that place, there's a struggle. You can't even see your spouse clear when those things are your view and your motivations. Because then all you're highlighting is the weakness. You're actually exploiting the things that aren't God instead of building on the best. It's total contary to truth. Don't leave Martha. 
Don't we put the, like an X on them as a target? Well, you can, you because Satan will play with any vulnerability he can in a person. If if you if you need your spouse to be a certain way for you to be okay, Satan's going to poke them in any way to make sure that's not the reality and take two out with one stone. In other words, you can actually invoke that instead of covering them and protecting them in the spirit. You can be actually throwing them out there to get pummeled because of a a, a self centered desire and need. And these are the spiritual complications and things we don't realize. We just don't realize. It's very dangerous. And then when those things happen, guess what we turn around and say? God, why are you allowing this? And guess who gets the blame? See, that's why it's ludicrous to go there once you understand these things because won't it be a sad day if we die blaming God and find out that it was our own hearts failing to yield and and, and willing to yield and, and failing to be selfless? Because that's what happens. We don't realize we're setting our spouse out there as a target and then Satan's fueling the fire of our wrong motive and affirming the lie all the more. And then when tragedy strikes or we split up, we justify it. Well, he just wouldn't get a grip and God wouldn't. And all of a sudden we're justifying the way it all went and trying to still make it spiritual. And sometimes even at the cost of who God is. And the whole time is we were being destroyed for what we didn't either understand or what we didn't yield to. So, it's, well, we cover a lot of stuff in this school, don't we? Little topics and details. We're covering a lot of stuff. But it, this is all in the light of what love looks like. And a lot of times you have to expose what it doesn't look like. Because what it doesn't look like is what's been our normal in a lot of cases. Right? Be honest. Our normal has been not love. <laughs> our normal has been a lot of feelings, and you do for me, and I'll do for you, a little give and take here and there. and. <laughs> You know? Some question? Um, is it true or is it not true that in, in verse 18, it's true that Moses saw God. He, saw, he, he experienced, you know, God wanted to kill everybody and start over with him and needed to, whatever. And, and he that, but, and Adam saw God. And, and but long before he really got to know what, what we see, what Christ showed, he, he, he gave it all up, or lost it all. And then, but, but this is the very first time that God in his complete, total reality anybody has really seen everything he intended for his creation. Right. I mean, Moses got a glimpse of his backside. <laughs> his glory passing by. Your glimpse of his backside. Let my backward part go past you. So there's, you know, what's that really mean? What did he really see? I love what you just said. Now that Jesus has come, we've got a real good, clear look at who he is. We see who the Father is through the Son. Amen? And, and you know, there's so much, uh, you know, allegories, analogies, uh, types and shadows there, like Moses. He's tucked into the cleft of the rock. Rock is Christ. We're hidden in Christ and the glory of God's revealed. It's so much there. It's, it's all there. All those Old Testament experiences that they had speak. You have to be able to see them through New Testament light. So I've had personal prayer stuff in times like that. When that got big in me years ago and I saw that about the uh, Moses and being tucked, one of the first times I ever read that on my own, I just saw Christ in that and I saw me and I saw God passing by with understanding. It was like, whoa, and I just had an intimate time in my bedroom. It was just fun. You get pregnant in those places. <laughs> you give birth. <laughs> Amen. Acts 19. I want you to see some. No, no, don't turn there. I'm sorry. It's just in my Bible. Serious. Serious. No, I'm being serious. Uh, 
I'm sorry. I turned there because there's a, a word I want to read to you. It's, your Bible won't have it there unless you have an anointed spirit-filled life Bible. Uh, if you have a, a spirit-filled life Bible, it'll be there. But remember what we just read? The Word became... The Word is Logos. In the beginning was the Word, the Logos of God. You got a Spirit-filled life Bible? Acts 19, verse 20. Oh, you have one too? You guys are on the ball. You guys have the real deal, man. See, because you really won't get the whole picture unless you have one of these. No, it's a joke. Stop, stop. That was bad. Stop. Watch this. I'm going to read what the word Logos means. In the Greek, okay? Because it's important. And then to think about the word becoming flesh and how valid it is to say that the life of Jesus is the revelation of God and love, okay? Because in the beginning was the Logos and the Logos was with God and the Logos was God and the Logos became flesh. Here's what the word Logos means. A transmission of thought, communication, a word of explanation, an utterance, a discourse, a divine revelation, a talk, a statement, an instruction, an oracle, divine promise, divine doctrine, divine declaration. Jesus is the living Logos. That means He's the living communication, uh, transmission of thought, an explanation of truth. Oh my goodness, is that powerful or what? Sometimes it's important to look at those words. I'm not a big word study guy, but when I do, it's usually I get inspired to check them out and they're really powerful. And actually, this one just came up in a talk with me and John yesterday. And uh, Jesus is the living Logos. The Bible is the written Logos. And Holy Spirit utters the spoken Logos. So the life of Jesus is the transmission of thought. The life of Jesus is the communication or the word of explanation, utterance, discourse, divine revelation, the statement, the instruction, the oracle, the divine promise and doctrine, the divine declaration of who God is. Jesus' Jesus is life. The word was made flesh. Why? To express and transmit thought. To give us a, a picture, an example, and a model of truth. That's why he now said, follow me. This is so intimate, guys. Do you see how it's not just a confession? Like we say, Christianity, the great confession. Oh, it's a great reality. <laughs> it is a great confession, but it doesn't stop with a great confession. You know, people say, well, you know, we're seated with, with, with Him in heavenly places, and it becomes just a positional doctrine. It's just a positional doctrine. I don't want to just positionally be able to say to you, well, you know I'm seated in heaven... What is that if I'm not understanding and having revealed in my heart what it means to sit with Him in heavenly places and walk from that place, live from that place, function from that place? What good does it do for me to say, hey, I'm seated with Him in heavenly places just because I read that in my Bible and now I'm proclaiming that as a positional truth? No, it's a real truth. I'm in Him. He's in me. I'm in the world, not of the world. I'm looking through His eyes, living from His heart. The kingdom is here. It's given. It's my everyday experience then, seated with Him in heavenly places. I'm living from heaven towards the earth then, and it's not just a spiritual cliche, because that's what the church is saying and singing right now. You don't want to just follow the language. Come on. We are contagious sometimes with phrases and language. 
It's, it's, the, it's the in phrases. We've been very in the church with that. Man, that'll sell you short. We actually, I'm so thankful for the intimate songs that are out there. But we're running a risk personally if, they, if, if we don't enter into communion with God to where what we're singing becomes a reality or we just keep singing more deep, more intimate stuff without the expression of it in our lives. And it, and it dulls something. It can make you actually religious. It's not that the songs, God's writing the songs through people. They're right on time and they're, they're God. Don't stop singing them. Any, don't stop singing them. What I'm saying is, the deeper we go and the more grace revealed and the deeper, more intimate God, the, if, if we fail to enter in in the place of the heart and get face to face with Him through communion and union and let it become a reality, I mean, what, so now we're just singing all these songs and they just become the song of the church instead of the reality in the life. Does that, does it, do you understand what I'm saying? Because a lot of them are phrases and things that we're saying that are very intimate. I mean, even just, you can just get into the habit of just because everybody's calling God Papa now. It's just the right thing to say. He's just your Papa. But it's, it's a big difference between saying it because it's cool and it's in and it's kosher now to say Papa versus understanding the intimacy of calling Him Papa. It's the same with Jesus' name. You can just in Jesus' name, yeah, Jesus' name, brother. You can get rhetorical with a lot of things we say. Or you can speak His name with power. Yeah, for some of us, the word Papa might, might, might need reserved for certain times and just, just intimate times and, and where it just becomes your reality and not just your Christian slang or lingo. And I'm not being legalistic when I say this. I'm just saying we can, we can follow trend and miss revelation and reality. So easy. And feel like just because you're saying all the right things, you're the in-Christian. There's no magazine in-Christian. There's an in-fisherman. But there's no in-Christian. Okay? <laughs> it's in him. You're in him. I hope you're okay with what I just said there. I just, I just, you want things to be real. Don't sell yourself cheap. Okay, so I wanted you to see the word logos. So the word became flesh. So it's obvious that the life of Jesus is what love looks like. And we need to follow Him. And uh, I'm going to wrap this session up with this. When you look in, in your Bible at the life of Jesus, when I personally am reading and I see the Pharisees ridiculing Him, and I see Him in His face and, and so no mercy, they're gloating in the fact that they got rid of this guy. He was such a threat to their kingdom. And He's beaten. Imagine Him disfigured. His mother's laying at the foot of his cross, crying her eyes out. And they're heckling and mocking him. Imagine the coldness. I mean, you could weigh that in human standard and just define the position of their heart and see them for what they were doing. And yet Jesus still is hanging there seeing them for their value and staying on that cross, shedding his blood for their redemption. Is that incredible or what? I mean, that's incredible. So when you're sitting at home and you're reading your Bible or you're praying and those thoughts come to your mind at all, or you're, you're just singing, listening to a song on your, on your radio or CD player while you're driving and you're just listening to that song and all of a sudden those thoughts come up in you, respond to Him personally. Respond to Him personally. Jesus to look at your accusers. They seem to be your accusers. They seem to be so not on your side. And yet you didn't lose sight of their value. I have had countless 
conversations with God on this stuff. I sit on my bed and I'll talk to him about that. I'll just talk just like I'm talking here teaching right now. That's why I talk so much. <laughs> I just sit there and I say, Lord, this is amazing. You saw past all that. You saw through all that. You know that every one of them has a value. Every one of them has. Bam, bam, bam. You said, Father, forgive them. They know not what. In my mind, I think they knew exactly what they were doing. But they didn't. Take me deeper. Take me deeper into your heart. I only want to see men the way you see them. God, I, and I slip off the bed right onto my knees. God, I want to move in your wisdom. Your wisdom's the only true wisdom. I don't want the wisdom of this world. I sure don't want the wisdom of man. I want the wisdom of God, and you, Jesus, are the wisdom of God to me. That's intimacy. That's union and communion. Guys, I can't say this. I'm saying it gentle, but I can't say it's pointed and strong enough. You'll never have God reality without that place flowing in your life. God doesn't just wake up in you one day. I think some of us have been waiting for that. Like for God to just appear. Do you know what I mean? He's realized and recognized as we release faith and grace touches that place. And you're looking through the life of Jesus. You're thinking about his disciples. You're thinking about Judas. You're you're, you're thinking about breaking bread and he's right at the table. He didn't even cut him off. He just left things roll, but... Jesus never changed. Jesus stayed the same. Man, if we had that knowledge of Judas, we wouldn't even let him in our meeting. Somebody would sidetrack him. and God just is amazing. And I'm not saying there's not times you don't have to do a certain thing or handle something a certain way. But Jesus is such the profuse expression of love that I want that in my life in every situation. I want to sincerely say, say, say Dick and I, say that I knew uh, Dick had a conversation with a best friend of mine and, and I wanted to talk to him about it and I didn't get a chance to talk to him about it, but I'm about ready to, but, but we're together and we're in a setting and there's some, I don't want that to project on him and hinder my ability to see him for who he is through Christ until that's resolved. I don't want to, I don't want to have to act weird Till we get to talk. And him say, Dan, what, what's going on? Is everything okay? Oh, yeah, yeah. Everything's good, man. Man, we'll hook up later. And yet, I don't have the ability to talk right now because of whatever we're in the midst of. I want to still be able to see him for his value and not see him for what I'm concerned about or what I believe needs adjusted or repented of or whatever. Do you know what I'm saying? I want to see him for who he is. In Christ Jesus. And a lot of us haven't understood that because we, we see things for the way they seem or face value. We judge books by covers. You know what I mean? And I just want, because Jesus is amazing. Here's Jesus treating the disciples the whole time like they're worth the kingdom. Knowing they're going to run and flee and fear the Jews. Knowing that Peter denied him three times, he's still pouring his whole life into him. Knowing he's going to do that. Believing that the seeds that he sows are going to grow and bear fruit. Taking all the conditions off of them because there's no conditions on love. Are you following? It's a big deal. 
He knew all this stuff. Some of us want to hear more and see clear. We might not be hearing more and see clear because we might not be ready to handle what we hear and see. <laughs> Listen, God can tell love anything. There was a time in my life he was showing me some very intimate, very personal stuff. And he said to me, do you know why I'm showing you these things? And I said, well, yeah, so I can pray. And it wasn't like, duh, God. And I was just like, well, that's easy. Yeah, so I can intercede and pray. He said, no, the first reason I'm telling you is because I can. That's what he told me. I just started to cry because I knew what he said. When he said it, I understood what he meant. What he meant is it's like telling my own heart. It's like telling myself, you're going to respond just like I would, and I've created you in my image on the earth to subdue it. So the first reason I'm telling you this kind of information is because I can entrust it to your heart because your heart's become one with mine. Now, how intimate and powerful is that? And when he said, no, Dan, the first reason I'm telling you is because I can, the Holy Spirit enlighten me. It wasn't like, what? What do you mean by that? Or I have a question. It wasn't like that. He, when he said that, I knew what he said and meant, and it wrecked me. I, I wept immediately. Now imagine, so Almighty God comes, he wants to be that close and personal, and he whispers to you, and he says, he says, I'm telling you this, Kathy, because I know I can tell you anything. Because I know your heart's been yielded to me, and your heart's become just like mine. And to the pure, all things are pure. And the pure in heart shall see God's Because he knows her response would be like him responding. And then that way, it's watch this. It's actually like God praying back. It's God working with himself in us. It would be the heart of God praying back. It's total truth. The response is love. Does this make sense? Because we're in his image, right? So some of us want to hear more and all that stuff. And I'm not saying we're not hearing more because of this. But what I'm saying is, man, let's just pursue love. And then desire spiritual gifts. Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. Because if we pursue love, he can entrust us with any spiritual gift. I mean detailed stuff. I've been in some, some serious, serious situations uh, where I had foreknowledge and, and understanding. And the only reason God gave it to me is because in my natural knowledge, I wasn't going to go, oh, you're kidding me. See, if you're going to go, see, we do that with our friends. So if you're doing that with your friends, it's exactly why then God wouldn't be telling you stuff. You get a phone call and it's, it's a shocker to you. And you go, oh my God, you're kidding me. Oh, and all of a sudden you can't even handle it. And you got to take the rest of the night to just get a grip on your emotions and feelings because of what you were just told about somebody or what somebody just said or did. Then you don't want that in your life. I don't, I don't want blown away and shocked from in that realm. Do you know what I mean? I want to see people through him. And that's how he had to see his disciples, guys. I mean, they're, 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 they're debating down the road as they're walking. And, and, and they're, 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 they're here to talk about who's going to be the greatest. And <laughs> Imagine just in front of them walking. Oh, I love these guys. <laughs> but it wasn't like he was trying to love them. He, uh, he understands the weakness of man. He became a man. He's, he's not unable to sympathize with us in our weakness. He was tempted at all points. He knows what we're going through. He wore flesh. That's what that means. You follow me? Okay. Uh, I don't want to open anything 
new right now. I'm just going to close if if because uh, because we're going to jump in next week and we're just going to keep up on this. But I don't want to. I just wanted to. I want you to see because there's man. There's a lot of places we're going. I promise. There's yeah. It's all right there, and we got to get into First John and stuff too. But uh, let me just recap this week a little bit quick. Greater love has no man than this. And he lay down his life for his friends. Some translations even say uh, for another. 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 The whole goal of our instruction is love. Jesus is the living epistle of love. We wouldn't know love unless he came. We'd only read about love. But now we see love through his life. True? And we follow him. So the whole purpose of the cross, the finished work of Jesus Christ, is when a man's nature is restored back to love. That's the highest payoff and dividend to God the Father from the blood he invested into the earth. He deposited the blood of Jesus into the earth as an investment. And the greatest dividend and increase he can receive is the glory of the inheritance in the saints, the glory of God, right? It's, it's men becoming transformed and reproduced and his sowing of one man's blood becomes the reproduction of many sons in his image. <laughs> it's big payback. That's the intention of God. So I, I talk about it all the time because we, we, we have been less than in our preaching of why we're saved. We are not saved for God to just meet our physical needs all the time like we think. I mean, He, he gives us what we need. Godliness with contentment's great gain. We, we really need to get past the whole thing about, yeah, but God wants to meet all my needs because your list might not be even things that are pertinent to fulfilling His will and manifesting His image. They might just be signs of comfort and needs of comfort and convenience. And godliness with contentment is great gain. And I'm, I've learned to be content in whatever situation I'm in. Why? Because of knowing Him. Am I against blessing? Absolutely not. But I don't preach blessing in a way where you start to covet blessing at the cost of freedom and truth. Where you can't have a good day because you didn't get things your way. That's just to resurrect the old man. So you're not saved for that. You're not even saved. And it's, it's, it shakes people when you travel and say this. Man, they think, what heretic did they bring in this place? And you say, you know, you're not, you didn't pray a prayer to go to heaven. That, is, that should not even be your goal. Your goal is putting off the old and putting on the new and getting restored back to His image. And heaven's just to pay off in a reward. I'm just going to live forever because I'm one with the eternal one. He never dies and I'm alive with him forever. So I'm alive forever. Adam was created that way. The day you eat the trees, the day you surely die, which means he was created to live forever because there's no death in God. God's alive forever. God created him his image. So his destiny is to live forever. Adam was created to live forever because he's in the likeness of God. So eternal life had to be in his DNA. But the day you step out of your identity in me and being one with me and living by my word, my truth, because I'm the truth, is the day you die. That's the day you're on your own. You weren't created on your own. You weren't created to be a God unto yourself. You're created to express me and reveal me and be found in my image. The day you step out of that is the day you're dead. That's the dead day. 
Jesus came and redeemed us back to this truth, breathed life back into us, and we live forever. We've turned it into the motivation being going to heaven. It's being restored back to his nature and back to his image, back to sonship, so that you can leave a legacy on the earth and bear a bunch of fruit. Not pray a prayer as an escape or an insurance policy and sign the dotted line in your heart. And at least I prayed the prayer and one day I'll be in the book because I prayed the prayer. That is not our emphasis. That's a given, actually. We're kept till that day by His power. But go and bear what? Much fruit. Amen? Okay, Father, we just thank You right now and we just bless You. Yeah, I just thank You for the access we have to You. I just thank you, God, that we can come boldly. I'm just going to have to read it because it's just just got real big in my spirit. It's Hebrews 4. Father, I just thank you. I'm going to read this, guys, and we're going to finish praying. Seeing then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. What do you say? We hold fast our confession. We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness like that couldn't bear witness. He can bear witness. Because in all points he was tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore, because of this truth, come boldly to the throne of grace. Remember faith and grace? That we may obtain mercy and find grace. We need mercy sometimes, don't we, Consuelo? And then find what? Grace to be transformed through every time of need or in every time of need. The grace transformed. The word transformed is not there. I'm just preaching into that. That's what it means. So, Father, we just thank you. We have absolute access to you. Everyone in this room is loved by you. You gave your son. You did it once for all. As many as would believe and receive him would be the children of God. What manner of love is this? that you would bestow such a grace on us that we could be the sons of God and that we are. So bless, Father, that revelation and bless the understanding of every person here. And just thank you, Father, for the good thing you're working in and through our lives. Thank you for true peace with you. True godly contentment. Just a settling of the soul in every person in this place. And from that place of strength, God, what you built through truth, let us live an effective life that leaves a legacy and brings you glory. In Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Amen. Love you guys. I ended five minutes early. I'm so pumped.